The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, Giant Week on Talk is Jericho continues today with my former tag team partner, The Big Show, a.k.a. Paul White. Great guy, one of my oldest friends in the wrestling business. I met him back in about 1995 or something like that. And, man, we have so many laughs and such great chemistry. This is one of my favorite interviews, one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. We go way back, and because we go back, and because I love it so much, and because he's so big... It's a supersized big episode today. We got 90 minutes of me and Big Show, 90 minutes of amazing, hilarious stories and laughs. Floyd Money Mayweather, Shaquille O'Neal, Brock Lesnar, Hulk Hogan, Broken Noses, WCW, Dungeon of Doom, Jera Show. So much good stuff. You know what else you get? Some chlorine myth busting. Yeah. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho, the pot of thunder and rock and roll, the remedy for boredom. It's arrived. The People's Podcast is here. Let's go for a ride because it's a Friday. And today, Giant Week continues with my former tag team partner and my favorite tag team partner I've ever had in my life, Big Show. Like I said a minute ago, this is a giant, supersized episode of Talk is Jericho, which is so apropos considering my guest. It's 90 minutes of conversation jam-packed with some very funny stories, some of the greatest things uh, that's ever happened to to me in my career with The Big Show. Okay. I want to talk to you about Tough Enough. The debut happened this week. It's every Tuesday on USA Network. And uh, what'd you think? I think for um, the first episode of the show, I think it came across very well. It did a good rating, which is important. I believe it was like uh, with all the replays and all the uh, the West Coast and the East Coast and uh, digitals and blah 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 blah. It ended up doing about two point five million uh, million viewers, which for a first week is pretty darn good. And it's only going to get better. It's the first time we've ever done a show like this that's, uh, and not just us, anybody, that's kind of the half reality, half live uh, TV show. So you're almost combining like the reality type shows that you would see on Keeping Up with the Kardashians with the uh, live voting off that you see on America's Got Talent or The Voice or that sort of thing. So we filmed it over at the Full Sail uh, University Studios. And you saw the set. It's just amazing. It looks so great. Uh, it's actually, the, the actual room itself is fairly small. When you see it on TV, it looks really, really big, expansive, and there was a lot of kind of moving parts. We went and started rehearsing on Monday, 
And we were there all day long for about 10 hours uh, at rehearsals. And it's funny because I came from Las Vegas where I was at rehab at the Hard Rock Hotel. Love that place. Uh, went there, uh, hung out with Solo Cup Jeff, had a great time, uh, made my appearance, got on the red eye from Las Vegas to Orlando. I landed at 8.30, went straight to a, a TV studio where I did three hours of television interviews. It's called a satellite media tour where you... Um, do a different interview with a different station every 10 minutes. And then after that, uh, went straight to the production meeting where we rehearsed and wrote the show and kind of really came up with, with what was going on. And it was really, uh, really cool to work hand in hand with, with Vince McMahon, um, on a different level. You know, obviously wrestling wise, I've worked with him for years, but sitting down in a production meeting when you're putting together a show, I learned a lot. And, uh, Vince gave me a lot of great tips and a lot of great kind of pointers on how to uh, run a meeting, how to, how to write the show and, I really felt uh, that I learned a lot uh, being there. And also Kevin Dunn, amazing, amazing executive producer, kind of Vince's right-hand man, working very closely with both of them and with Hulk Hogan, Daniel Bryan, Paige, Miz, you know, the social media guys in WWE, the whole production team that's putting it together from Left to Hook Media and uh, USA Network executives. So there's a lot of work that goes into that show. And because it is such a hybrid, it's, you know, there's there's been no precedent set. So we're just trying to, you know, fix it and move it as it goes. I know there's some audio problems. We'll work on that. I know we need more time with the live show, I believe. I think you need more time to grill the competitors. Um, that'll give me more time to kind of open up a bit as well because I think it was there was so much stuff to do in that first episode, you know, introducing the characters and finding out who everybody is and kind of becoming acclimated to the show that I really didn't do much. I really was just kind of a, a Carson Daly talking head. Trust me, it's not going to be that way for the duration of the season. Uh, you'll see Jericho get more and more involved and uh, kind of get harder and harder and harder as, as we go along. Uh, Tough Talk afterwards, starring The Miz, was, was amazing. It's hilarious. You need to check it out. And uh, it's because it's all called on the fly, improv, get a chance to really show off the personalities, and we're going to need to do that more on, on, on the main show, which we know. And um, like I said, it, it, it's a real-life worldwide vote this is the truth because the show is airing live no matter where you live so it starts you know eight o'clock eastern uh in in new york city for example but in la that means if you want to watch it it's got to be at five o'clock in, in the afternoon if you want to vote and and be a part of it there's replays that air i believe right afterwards but if you want to be a part of the, of the voting process to who leaves and whose dreams stays alive you you have to you know watch it when uh, when it's live, you know, and people all around the world are watching it, whether you're in Italy or Singapore or there's affiliates that are showing it. If you live in a country where there's no, not a network showing it, you'll be able to watch it on YouTube. It'll be uh, geo-blocked, which means you can only watch it in your region if you want to vote. And there's so many different ways to vote. We only explained half of them because there's so much information coming in. But you can tweet. You can go to WWE.com. You get the, 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 the WWE app. You get the Tough Enough app. Uh, I think USA.com. There's, there's, there's a lot of information that all of us need to learn because this is such a new show and such an exciting new way of doing things. And it is different. I know Tough Enough in the past was more of just the reality-based show. It begins and ends. They cut it together. They edit it together. You get you know all the best quotes and you get all your best moments and then someone's eliminated. We're not doing that. We're showing half of that. Then we're going live. And that to me is the cool part because we can grill the competitors on what was said, what wasn't said, who's cool, who's being a bitch, who's being a, a, you know, a baby, a pussy, whatever it may be. And that, to me, is going to be the best part of the live show. 
and seeing the personalities grow, you know, and seeing the, the character and the charisma grow. And I know from experience, you know, when you do Dancing with the Stars, for example, you show up and all the cast is one big gang and you're working together and you're seeing each other in the hallways. And then after the first week, when somebody gets eliminated, that's when you know that shit just got real. And that's when you turn up the heat. And that's when maybe you distance yourself from the other uh, competitors a little bit because you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to fall for anything. But you also have to 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 know that you got to up your game. I, I guarantee when Hank was eliminated... Uh, as the very first elimination on Tough Enough, that all of the other quadruple towers were like, we thought being big was all you needed to make it in the WWE. And as we know, that's not the case. That's a small part of it. You don't even have to be big. Look at Daniel Bryan. Look at Rey Mysterio. I'm not exactly big show. So uh, it's so much about the connection that you make. I think now those guys realize they have to stand out. Okay, because, you know, they edit the package together with who were the big stars. And last week, ZZ just popped right off the screen, even though he was terrible in the athletic part, uh, you know, athletic competitions, the challenges didn't matter because every time you saw him, he said something funny and they made him into the real lovable, likable guy. Same with Diana in the opposite direction. She was so annoying talking about her fiance, my fiance, my fiance. But every time she came on screen, I was interested. There was other people like Mata, don't know anything about him, Alex don't know anything about him. Sarah Lee, don't know anything about her. Daria, didn't see much of her. And that's because they didn't get a real chance to be shown in the package because they probably weren't doing anything interesting. You have to step it up. Now's the time to get to the nitty, the gritty, and make it happen, Captain. So I'm really excited about Tough Enough uh, this season. And like I said, I'm looking forward to seeing how the show morphs and how it evolves. And of course, once again, too, every week as there's less and less competitors on that stage, that's going to leave more time open for the improv, for the grilling, for the personalities of not just the people on stage that are competing, but also for Paige. Uh, she's going to be great. I, I think she's going to be like the Simon Cowell of the show. Hulk Hogan, you know, he's got a lot of passion. Daniel Bryan, very easy to get along with, beat all the odds. You know, Renee Young did a great job. And then, of course, Chris Jericho. You're going to see a whole lot more of me because there'll be more time for Jericho. This is not Chris Jericho's tough enough. My job last uh, in the first episode was to keep the show rolling, keep it flowing, letting the people at home, meaning you guys, know how uh, how it works, what the rules are, what the uh, what's expected uh, of you as viewers to know listen we're going to the 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 packages that's been taped earlier in the week and then the live element so now that you guys know what to expect we move along a little bit faster so i'm really really excited about tough enough it's a great great show and like i said i think you're going to see as much as it was as much fun as it was in episode one i expect that to get blown through the roof this tuesday on usa at 8 p.m eastern uh and everywhere else according to whatever your time zone is newfoundland that's probably like 9 30 because there's a half hour time change if you live in singapore set your alarm and wake up at three in the morning if you want to watch it live if you want to be uh, uh part of the main uh decision-making process that's up to you so um check it out be there or be square tough enough and we'll keep you posted maybe i'll even have uh, a couple of the competitors on as, as we move forward um maybe i'm not sure so there you go and uh, if yeah, i'm excited about big show is coming up and uh he's a big man the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Right here in the bowels of the arena at Edmonton, I got my old my old partner, Big Show, is here. That's a good word to use, bowels. Bowels, especially did, did around I, Did you. I remind you of bowels as we're sitting here? <laughs> yeah. you know, it's funny, is when Kane goes back in the locker room we were in, I left him a nice present in there. So when he goes back in, he's going to scream, show! You used to do that, though, I remember, oh, yeah. <laughs> at some of the shows. I in, used to do that uh, at his office. What would you do, just leave a little i just treat? leave it. I'd go in there and take a crap in the afternoon while he was in a production meeting, and it was all ha-ha fun and games, and... Until he figured out, obviously, it was me. It looked like a rhinoceros took a dump in his office. It wasn't but one or two guys in the roster that did it. So. <laughs> Needless to say, Vince got even. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Would he make you do jobs for a month or something? You no, know, he put me on like this weird, random, month-long program where I'm working every city. I'm working with Kali, and we've got no angle or no anything. And you know me, I never gave a shit about putting somebody over or not. That's mm-hmm. not a big deal. And There was just no story there, mm-hmm. you know. And, I'm, and you know, when you work with him... Kali was an attraction, and he had this really, you know, different look. So, but you know as well as I do, usually he stands in the middle, and then you work your ass off around right. him. I mean, he's a great guy. It's not like you you want to help the guy out, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's it's limited. So I went to him and I go, "Hey, are we going to India soon or something? I mean, once the, I get the the giant versus giant thing, but really, it's you know, what the hell is the deal?" He says, "Are you gonna quit shitting in my toilet?" I said. Absolutely. And the next weekend, the card changed, and I was <laughs> I was about to work in Edge again or something like that. You know what I mean? But he waited. I, it took me a whole month to figure out, like, oh, wait a minute. He's, he's ribbing me. He's serious huh? here. He's serious here. All right. So learn real quick. Don't rib the boss. Yeah, no kidding, right? That is great. Yeah, because that was, that was your thing for, for, for a long time, I remember. I got that from, uh, uh, from Brian Pillman. Really? Brian Pillman, when I first started as a rookie, you know, I was terrified of my own shadow. You would sit in the corner with your little towel and Mm -hmm. your little chair, and you didn't speak unless someone spoke to you. And Pillman would walk in all loud and just drop this amazing, like, it was too big for such a small human being (laughs) like him, and leave it. And everybody would just, oh, my God, Pillman. And everybody would raise so much hell over it. I was like, oh, that's a pretty funny rib. So, How was that for you? I mean, just jumping right into it. I mean, you, you come into the WCW, like you mentioned. Yeah. And, you, and you're the – okay, obviously, let's, let's be honest. You're a giant. You're a right. big, big man. Yeah, I was and a freak of nature back then. I, I yeah. think – well, you still are, but I think people forget sometimes because you've been around so long. You're like, ah, yeah. oh, he's a giant, whatever. Yeah, whatever, they're used to me. Yeah, right. exactly. But when you first walk in there, obviously, you're a freak of nature, physical specimen. It was uh, – it was like uh, walking into a dream or a fantasy. I mean, these are, I mean, I grew up watching Georgia Championship Wrestling in the South. Mm-hmm. So I was really familiar with Arn Anderson, Terry Taylor, um, uh, Ric Flair, you know, and all of these guys walk around backstage. You know, mm-hmm. I was, I just remember that uh, Sherry Martell, uh, Sister Sherry, was actually my roommate in Atlanta when I was training. Hmm. Um, she, uh, How did that happen? Um <laughs> At one of the shows or something like that, I had an apartment from WCW and I first started training because they moved me in with Mike Graham, mm-hmm. the, the late Mike Graham. And Mike Graham was in this apartment. This was a Turner apartment that, you know, the Turner was paying for. Mm-hmm. Real nice apartment in Marietta. And then he was there two weeks and then he moved out. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, I got this place and, you know, and um, I was telling Sherry about it. She was like, well, I come to Atlanta a lot. Can I rent a room? I was like, I'm not paying for it. So... 
Sure, obviously. You know, you have a room. And she was like a mom. She uh, Was she? Uh, yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, she dated my manager for a little bit, which was always funny. Was it Jimmy Jam? Yeah, Jimmy <laughs> Jam. Yeah, she dated Jimmy Jam. And, uh, and, uh, he had I a great would, mullet. Yeah, he had yeah. a great mullet. He looked like John Travolta with a mullet. Yeah, big, long, curly yeah. hair at the back. Like yeah. like from uh, from Get Shorty, but put a mullet on him, and that was <laughs> Jimmy right. Jam. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, he did her for a while, but she was great. She would make casseroles and stuff. He'd come home, and there was, like, food, and she would tell me little things, like, you know, when you're in a locker room, be respectful, and just a lot of little things that she really didn't have to do that she was mm-hmm. very nice about. She was very cool. So, And, and is this, like, how were you, like, discovered? Like, to get in that... I got discovered. I wanted to get in. It's funny. I wanted to get in. Um, I went to the Monster Factory in New Jersey. Um, really? Yeah. I gave Larry Sharp five grand and went there for a few weeks and never saw him. <laughs> uh, he had a lot of health stuff going on and mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. And just... I, I couldn't really get anything out of it. Um, I made a tape of me running the ropes, you know, because that's all I really knew how to do. I think Johnny Polo came down and showed me how to lock up. Raven. Raven. Yeah. Um, I met him at a bar I was working at, and he came down and showed me how to lock up. And uh, yeah, this is how you do it. Yeah, 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 I don't know. There you go. Yeah, your punches look You're bad. a big guy. You never should lock up with anybody anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks. But yeah. What if I do have what to? What if lock I up? do have to? Yeah. So uh, I gave the tape to Mike Kyoto. You know, the referee. Did you know him? I, I ran to Mike Kyoto at a club, and he was like, uh, oh my god you're so big da, 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 da. I was a bouncer so he's trying to kiss my ass because I was a bouncer and da 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 mm-hmm. you know how that stuff right was. right right but Kyoto was really cool freaking out how big I was I gave him the tape and somebody should call you well nobody ever called me mm-hmm. you know the tape went back to Pat Patterson and Pat Patterson um, got me confused with the Kurgan out of Canada <laughs> and the funny story is is Halloween Havoc I'm wrestling Hogan and Vince and Pat and them are watching the pay-per-view mm-hmm. And uh, Kyoto walks in, and he says, what's the matter, Pat? That guy didn't work out. You can give him our contract. Pat goes, what guy? That's the guy I gave you the tape on. That's that Paul White. And Vince goes, what? You know what I mean? It was that kind of a, kind yeah, of a because little. Because you, you, you never had, like, it's not like you were working indies or something like that. Like, you no. just kind of appeared on the scene. I met Hogan through Danny Bonaducci in Chicago. Uh, I had left. Larry, what? I had left Larry Sharp's Monster Factory. Just I was just, you know, I mean, it was just depressing there. It yeah. was bad. And. Larry had a lot of health problems going on and was doing his own thing. And, uh, you know, there was just, there was nothing for me there. Who were you actually training with there? Was anybody? Oh, Chaz and Glenn. Oh, okay. Headbangers. Headbangers, yeah. You know, but I mean, you know, they were trying to do their own thing and and get up to New York. And, you know, it was just, uh, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but it was, uh, I needed more, Mm -hmm. you know, learning wise. And, uh. You know, I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. I have nothing bad to say. I appreciate the time I had. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, kind of eye-opening experience. Eye-opening experience like. to like, okay, well, there's some. Yeah, some sharks. Yeah. There's some sharks in the water. There's some sharks in the yeah. water. So anyway, um, you know, I, I went back to Chicago and Jimmy Jam had that karaoke company. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was uh, doing karaoke on the morning drive in Chicago on Danny Bonaducci's show where people would come in and sing. And it was like American Idol before American Idol. It was oh, how okay. smart Danny Bonaducci was because some people were really good uh-huh. and some people were just absolutely horrible. Right. So people would call in and, and then he had a charity basketball game versus Hulk Hogan and Mr. T at halftime at a CBA team, a Chicago Wolves team. Mm-hmm. And uh, Danny wanted to bring me in for, for a secret partner and help introduce me to Hulk. Because back then, it wasn't like all the websites and all the stuff yeah. you have now. Back then, you literally had to know somebody or meet somebody to 
to get in. Right. You know, this was a real close knit business back then. You know, you almost as almost like trying to get in the mafia. You said about ninety five or ninety four. Ninety four. You yeah. almost had to. You're right. Like, you almost had to be brought in by someone that was already in to be introduced to even get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was a. It was a real. Even getting trained was a little hard. Which is so funny because a guy your size, you think that people would be salivating to have you in the in the on the job. Well, you know, I, I think they were, but the biggest thing was by then: Are you trained? Can you work? Mm-hmm. You know, they, there wasn't training facilities. There wasn't. Mm. Developmental programs. Right. It wasn't, no there wasn't any that. There yeah. wasn't performance. There wasn't any of that. It was like, can you work? Mm. Well, no, I don't. Well, well when, you, when you learn how to work, come back to us. Okay, well, how the hell do I go learn how to work? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't the smartest, you know, and I mean, smart, like wrestling smart. Right. I, I, I didn't, you know, okay, what do I do? I go, I get trained. There was, what was it? What was the guy in Chicago? Sonny Rogers? Mm. Wasn't he in Chicago? I don't know. I think there was a guy, Sonny Rogers, in Chicago that I went to look at to train at his school, but. You know, in the ring in this place where you had the gym, you know, the ring was, the ceiling was two and a half feet taller than my head. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could stand in the middle of the ring and, hit, and put my hand up and... You go through the roof, yeah. Yeah, and touch to the ceiling. I was like, okay, well, this, you know, it's shitty. It's kind of tipped on one corner. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I get it, but, you know, I'm 400 pounds. I hit this thing, it goes to dust, and I get a splinter through my ass, I mean, or my ribs <laughs> yeah. or something, you know. Were you always that big? I was, uh, I walked into WCW at seven foot three ninety at 23 years old. Wow. So, yeah. So what were you when you were 15, for example? 15, 6'9", 250. I was think my my driver's license from South Carolina, when I was 15 years old, my first driving permit, I was 6'9", 251. How was that be- growing up? And obviously, like, you know, the opposite of growing up, let's see your horn swallow. You grew up as, like, a little guy. You grew yeah. up as a giant. Um, it was very, very hard when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as you when you're different as a kid growing up, if you're um, – you get ostracized really mm-hmm. fast. And, and I was a kid that was a little bit of an introvert because I was a smart kid. Um, but at the same time, I I, uh, I was so freakishly big, other parents didn't want me playing with their kids. Mm. You know, you'd be at the park or something playing with some kids you just met and you're trying to make friends. You see their parents come over and grab them. And, really? Yeah, you know, pull them away from the mongoloid. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> That's, I, the first time I ever heard that word, I was playing football in high school and I... I just creamed a bunch of kids, you know. I did the kickoff, and they received and formed their little wall, and I ran through it. And there was equipment and kids going everywhere. And I'm like seven foot three fifteen as a senior in high school running. Wow! I think I ran like a five flat forty in pads, so I'm hauling ass for a big dude. And uh, so I waylaid a bunch of kids, and some drunk mom came on the field and threw a plastic cup of beer in my face because you mongoloid. And I remember looking at one of my friends, and I remember saying. What's a mongoloid? What does that mean? And he goes, it's not good, man. It's not good. <laughs> you know, so there you go. Like, so, yeah, growing up is a little bit difficult for you. A little bit different. At, at I mean, first, yeah. you, you can't, you know, like, you know, I went through puberty at like 10. Mm. You know what I mean? Fifth grade. So it's like I would ask, what would you get for number four? But I would go, what would you get for number four? <laughs> you know, because all of a sudden this voice would boom. You know what I mean? It, How big were you when you were born? How much did you weigh? I was little. I was only uh like a little over seven pounds. I okay, think. so yeah, so you, you know, it's not like my mom exploded giving birth to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, we're yeah. still looking for pieces of her everywhere. <laughs> no, I was kind of a, I was a small baby, but uh, um, you know, it, it, it's just weird. I, uh, it's you know, just good one genetics. Of the, just one of those things that just happens. It was just born within you, your genes or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they did the thing when you were two. You know, they multiply your height, and I should have been about six eight anyway. Mm-hmm. I should have been a big guy, but around nine or ten, I developed that tumor. 
and that tumor. Um, and it's so funny. You know, you think of little things you do when you're a kid, and you think about how, you know, like, you know, whether God stepped in your life and answered a wish, or, yeah. you know, we all have different feelings on spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, what's important. I remember turning nine years old, and we had a, the metal clothesline poles with a with a real wire. This is, you know, that's how we hung, we hung our laundry yeah. outside. So you dry your laundry. But I remember hanging on it because it was metal, and I was nine years old. And on my ninth birthday, I said, "Well, I hope I get really big and strong." And uh. I remember hanging on it, and then you know, when I'm 19, I had this too. I said, "Oh, you probably developed it when you were nine. I was like, "Geez, oh." <laughs> Yeah. Maybe I should have made a better birthday wish. <laughs> you know, should ask I'd like to be extremely good looking and wealthy. <laughs> yes, so, well hung. Yeah, yeah well hung what, would be what, nice. What is that? Um, is it called? Is it called acromegaly? Acromegaly. Is yeah. that? And that's the real giant. That's giantism. Giantism. Yeah, Andre had the same thing. Kali's had it. And I you know. are a literal giant. Yeah, literally in the textbook because you look at my hands, um, mm. uh, the shape of my jaw, my forehead, the density of my bones. Mm. I literally, I have giantism. So, so is that I have it fixed. You, so I stopped the because the giantism will keep growing, and things like your heart, your liver, your lungs will keep growing, your oh. organs, and you, and you developed bone over bone over bone you become very arthritic like you know i mean it like it it would have been really bad i'd have probably been and your heart keeps growing i mean my lifespan would have been severely short i mean now you know hopefully live right eat right you know I'll be is it something time. that is it you get like a like a removed like remove yeah a, it's yeah it's a tumor on your pituitary gotcha. gland gotcha so what it does is it put pressures on your pituitary gland which affects um the different hormones in your wow. body um so it puts an increased pressure on you know secreting growth hormone it's just a uh, it's not a genetic thing. It's like, uh, I think there's a statistic, 176 kids a year graduate from high school with acromegaly. With acromegaly. So some kids, it works out different. Some kids don't get the extreme seven-foot height, but they get acromegalic features like large mm-hmm. head, large hands, the you know, large heart. They get a lot of bad, you can get a lot of bad side effects from it. Because you are like Andre as far as like very agile, <laughs> even more so than Andre. But I'm thinking like you talk about Kali. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the guy or know the guy called Giant Gonzalez? Yeah. You know of him. Yeah, yeah. He, he passed away a few years ago, but he was like Kali, very brittle, like really tall, maybe even yeah. taller than you. But I remember we were in Japan with him. You used to have to use one of the Japanese guys, Ultimo Dragon, as a, as a cane. Yeah. Put his hand on his head and help him walk. He could barely walk. He was really frail. Well, I think a, a lot of that too is, is, is um, you know, some of those guys, um, you know, depending on how their bodies adapt differently. I got into athletics at a young age mm-hmm. and was really got into sports. And I think it made a difference for me because I was already designed to be a big person, mm-hmm. like with my genetic background, with my parents, you know, right? You know, all that, you know, European big ancestry. I was going to be a big dude anyway, mm-hmm. so my body was already prepared, so to speak, to have a little bit more added to it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it worked out for me. Some of those guys that come from from families where they don't really have big people in their gotcha. families, then it, it's such a strain on their, their the bones in the body, their skeletal system, and, and, you know, the arthritis, the hips, sometimes their hips aren't developed enough to handle the weight, mm-hmm. so they can't hardly move, um, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a really brutal disease when it when it goes bad and it's not caught early, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's a very painful disease with the arthritis it can cause, the back pain, and, and um, headaches and things like that, so it's a... You know, I got very, very lucky because I got uh, a lot of the benefits, you know, I had, uh, that, yeah, I've got denser bones and muscles and all that other stuff, but um, I managed to dodge a lot of the side effects. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, acromegaly make you very prone to diabetes, too. Wow, okay, yeah. So, George if had I had, that. yeah, if I didn't, but I've had it fixed, so, you know, luckily I, I'm 
you know, I'm fine with all that. It's stuff. probably like having it now is 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 probably a lot different from having it in the '70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like well, Andre's time, know. like yeah, right. they didn't even know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Andre, even when they fixed mine in '91, you know, it was a really big deal. Like I went to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and I had this really, you know, uptight doctor that you know he didn't shake hands because he was a brain surgeon, and <laughs> you know, you know, he was a really whacked out. But hey, you know, he did mm-hmm. a good job. So I. I you know, so he you, took everything out, no you, side effects. You got all the positives, almost, as far yeah, as the I guess physical I, you, frame. You and, could say that. You got, you know, I mean, you know, for, I mean, I picked a really bad business for your joints. I yeah, mean, you that's know, right, huh? But uh, um, I, I would say, all in all, it's blessings. I mean, you, know, you can look at a lot of things in life that hit you. Uh, it's all in how you look at it. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's a DDP promotion where every cloud's got a silver lining. Bang! <laughs> I'm not saying that, but a lot of times, you know, all of us are hit with different things that are that are challenging, that makes our lives harder, but it's how we approach it and, and how we overcome it that, that mm-hmm, strengthens us. I but mean, it did know. help you stand out, especially when we're going Definitely back me stand out. to the Bonaducci thing where he's going to introduce you to Hogan. And it also puts a lot of pressure on you, too. Yeah. Yeah, because right away you stand out, so therefore you're already a target. So, you know, I remember the big fight I got in with Booker in the training school. Do you remember that one? I don't know if I've heard about this. I mean, Booker T and I are great friends, and I love Booker and respect him. I think he's a great teacher. Mm-hmm. I think he was a great wrestler veteran he is one of the one of the few people that i actually look forward to to seeing every week i call mm-hmm. him part-time because he only has to come in once a week <laughs> yeah. but booker you know used to talk a lot of trash back in the day very much so and uh booker and i almost got into a fight in the training center he come down to pick up his check in wcw the power plant maybe power plant okay. and uh he uh uh, what's going on about me hazing me a little bit the only reason i got a contract because i was big and i took exception to it mm-hmm. like no i'm busting my ass you know, and we almost got into a scuffle, you know. But it's funny because looking back now, it was like, yeah, you know, that's just Booker. We're all younger than we're now, all right? younger yeah. than, you know what I mean? And trust me, all the sensitivity I had years ago has been completely burned out now. <laughs> I mean, you know, you could probably light me on fire and I'm like, yeah, that <laughs> sucks. But Whatever. you didn't exactly get you didn't actually get in a fight with Book. No, no, no. But it got argument. pretty heated. Yeah. It got pretty heated, which is. You know, one of those kind of things is probably a good thing because, you know, I don't think most people know Booker's a badass. It might not have turned out that well for me. <laughs> well, did you, have you been in a lot of fights still? Like, who would fight you? No, 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 you know? no. I don't, I don't think so. I think one of the worst things could ever happen would be fighting one of the boys. I mean, yeah. you know, it happens, but, you know, this is an emotional business and stuff like that. But this is also a business where there's a very few of us that really get a chance to do this at the mm-hmm. level that we do it. And sure, it's ego-driven. Sure, it's emotional. Sure, you're, you're away from your family and... You know, sometimes we argue and fight with each other just like we would our own family members. But I think it's it's bad when it gets to a point where two guys get so much heat between each other that, you know. Yeah, actually get physical. Get physical. You yeah. know, and, and this is talking to you. Who, how many people have you picked a fight with? In this business? A lot. <laughs> a lot. A you're, like, you're like the angry little pit bull running around I got the bullying complex. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's always amazed me about you, too, is like, you know, even I'm going to tell on you a little bit. I always used to hate when we worked against each other before uh. we started tagging because you would just beat me to death like a sledgehammer to do stuff. <laughs> and it was over. And I was like, oh, my God, he won't stop pushing for that. He won't stop pushing for that. Oh, my. Fine. Whatever. And you were right. Your ideas were good, yeah. but it's just like you would jump right in, and naturally you're a leader, naturally you're an alpha, naturally you'd want to take over, you know, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, but when you're younger and you're first starting, it's like, who the hell is this little guy? Thing? I know. What the hell is wrong? And then when I became your tag partner, which is probably the greatest time I've ever had in this business, yeah. 
It was like, oh yeah, I'll sit Chris on him. We'll get whatever we want. <laughs> you would brow, you would beat Pat Pat Patterson in submission. You'd beat Vince in submission. You would just wear everybody out. You were so relentless. Was, yeah, that's a good idea. But what about this? How about this? How about this? Uh, okay, I like that. I like that. Okay, but what about this? Maybe this. Yeah. Maybe this. And your energy was so intense. Like me, I'll throw an idea out, and you know, if they bite, I get that. Ah, fuck it. Whatever. We'll do something else. I remember. But you we- never, you never sacrificed your belief on what you thought was good for the match. And you know what? It was funny is even as many years as I was in the business and all the different tag partners I had, I still remember the time that we had together. And I tell everybody this, it was really, I learned a completely another different side to psychology of working with you. That was, uh, that was really good. We worked that so well together and it was such a good compliment. It's it was a great compliment. Yeah. It was the greatest time I think I've ever had tagging. Cause I mean, I have a great time with Kane too, but Kane and I are a lot alike, mm-hmm. even though Kane's a lot better, but <laughs> we're a lot of light two big guys, you know, da, 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 da. but you and I had that, that special dynamic where we got so much heat off of it, but we had, you know, we put really good work out on the table too. It was it was such a good combination. I always say too, it was my you're my favorite tag team partner. Yeah. Like it was so good because what had happened too was because uh, Edge got hurt and Edge and I were champions. Right. And so instead of just stripping me of the championship, it was like well Jericho needs a new partner. And I remember the the idea was to go into this feud with DX. Right. And they were pitching a couple of younger guys and like I can't go into this with a younger guy. Because right. DX will eat him alive. Eat him alive. I need someone who's just as intimidating, just as experienced, just as successful. And the two names was Kane and Big Show. And then and then Vince said said you. And I was like, this is right. great. But we need to make people remember yeah. that he is a giant. It's funny how many different roles I fill here. One week, you know, I'm putting every bill. Then the next week, I destroy the entire locker room. That's I'm the thing. You, yeah. It's, it's weird here. I'm like uh, 16 years. I'm like a jack of all trades and master of none. <laughs> One day I'm cutting promos and wearing Pee Wee, Her- Pee Wee Herman outfits, right. you know. The showster. Then the next week I'm cutting these intense heel promos. And, yeah. You know, then the next week I'm crying in the ring. It's like, you know. But that shows your versatility I, as a I've performer, done, though, man. Yeah, my versatility. I've done so much flip-flop and shit, I'm still dizzy. <laughs> you know, it's like I wake up and go, oh, am I a good guy or a bad guy today? Which one is it? Yeah. Which one is it? Do, yeah, smile and wave like a goofball or I, look like I haven't had a crap in two weeks. I don't know. <laughs> I remember, though, when, when we were going to do this, I said to Vince, I said, there's a couple things, man. I said, we have to make people remember that he's a killer. He's a giant. What you used to call me? Gigantor. The, the Gigantor. The giant destroyer. The giant destroyer. The giant destroyer. You, you turn me to like a like a transformer it's, it's gigantor, gigantor giant destroyer and also too i was like we got to change his ring ring uh, outfit because you were still wearing the one, one strap. strap andre the giant thing oh yeah in like 2010 i'm Dude, like come on I, i'll go to the that? same restaurant every day for six months i'm the epitome <laughs> of routine brother i mean i do the same thing every day so that yeah it actually puts you in the in the single that you're wearing yeah today, that yeah style. yeah you talked me into the camo and remember we yeah. were in iraq together and you were like uh Hey, man, look, you showed me a doll that had camo gear on it. I said, hey, man, you should do this, man. Look at the camo. It looks good. Oh, it really? Yeah, that was you. I don't remember that. That's it was funny. an action figure they did for Tribute to the Troops. That oh. They just threw my gear. They made my gear camo. And I was like, that oh, is a pretty good idea. Yeah. I'm glad you thought of that. But you were coming up wearing the suits. It was great, too, because... I remember some of the fun stuff that we did because, like, uh, you could just stand there because this was when Vince was really into you have to hold the tag. Oh, when he'd get on his little things. Yes. Like, yeah. And I was like, you get his little Vince's and like, put your hands up, put your hands up. And I was like, so as long as he's holding the tag rope, he's legal. And he's like, well, of course, he's holding the ropes. I was like, remember, you're so tall. I'd you can stand down halfway down the middle of the ring and hit people in the back and stuff. Yeah. 
It was great, man. I, I used so to good. love, we used to do the drive-bys, even when we were working with Crime Time. Yeah. We did some great, where I'd be on the floor, and then, you know, poor JTG would try to do a skin the cat or something like that, and just as he's hanging on the top, he'd get clipped by a drive-by. face, yeah. It was great. I don't think in our tag team, I don't think I ever covered anybody, which is what's the great heat about the heat, it. yeah. I did all the work on the floor. Uh-huh. Sneaky heel stuff. And then, you know, you got the cover and, and made it work. Get the pin on the big guy in the And the team. great thing about it, too, is is because I think a, a great thing about tag with you is, is you never let anybody really, you never let them prostitute us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You were very diligent about having good vision to see what they might be trying and what they were, and you know, because you know around here it's what are we going to do today? They're not worried about two weeks right. from now. Unlike years ago, it used to be they were worried about four months from now. Mm-hmm. Now they're just worried about you know TV every day and trying to get, well, this, this needs to happen today. Yeah. And then two weeks later, they forget about what they did, which makes it tough now. It's hard because you, you, know, you get stuck with these responsibilities of trying to help these young guys out. And it's like you know, I've, a couple weeks ago, I knocked out Roman and John Cena in the same show. Mm-hmm. And the very next show, we weren't talking about it. I was like, I just knocked out two of the biggest baby faces we have. Right? Shouldn't I be crowing about that as a heel? Oh, it's uh, blah, blah, blah. I forget what the excuse was, but it wasn't formatted for what they wanted to do that show. It's like, Jesus, we're shooting ourselves in the foot here, man. Well, it's, it's almost like you and I and Glenn and maybe Dustin are the only guys from, you know. The storytelling the, days. The attitude era, story days, whatever. Yeah. And I think sometimes they get mad at that. Oh yeah, they do. Because what? no one says anything, but we do, and it's not out of being a dick. It's out of hey, come on. There's a right way to do things, and it, it's inconvenient. But sometimes it gets frustrating because you've got you've got twenty someone writers mm-hmm. who work very hard, and you know they're they're trying to put a show together that that works. They're told they've got to work with you know feature this this and this guy, whatever's mm-hmm. on the on the agenda. But sometimes they, there's no bridges. You know, Arn Anderson always talks about bridges in the ring. You know, you know. And I notice a lot of these matches now. I think I saw something online the other day that just, it really saddened my heart a little bit to see how far the business has changed from the, from the perspective of you have fans now that, that do are passionate about the business and do love the business, but they're misinformed. Because, you know, they were criticizing someone, not me, but they were criticizing another superstar saying, oh, well, you know, he needs to just do more athletic moves to get over with the male audience. I'm like, more athletic moves. <laughs> you know, he's t- learn how to tell a story. Yes. You know, it's not about athletic moves, but in this new television app, network, you know, kind of ADHD, whatever it is. Right. Mentality of car crash derby. It's all about athletic moves. And mm-hmm. no, it's the one thing that's still going to get companies over and do ratings and, and bring fans is telling stories. You've got to make yeah. people emotionally invested. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, I get the, oh, retire, move aside, give the young guys a break. Hey, jackasses, in the past two years, I've won two matches. I'm pretty sure I'm stepping aside. Okay? <laughs> I'm doing everything I can to make every guy I work with, you know. But you're still so valuable as, as a well, performer on the show, as well, an attraction. I'm a recon- recognized uh, That's right. Recognized entity. Bingo. Entity. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, you know, sometimes, you know, and I've never been one to sit here and bitch about, um, oh, I'm not winning up. It's not it. I'll, I'll lose every match the rest of my life as long as I can tell a good story. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's a, then there's a little bit of pride that goes into, for me now, being at the ability to take someone in there and help them grow in all the little ways that a lot of fans don't see. Mm-hmm. But I know I've made an impact on their career, and I know when they move on to other opponents – 
I can see that they're better. They've taken little things I've been able to help them with storyline wise. You know, because it's 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 it, there's no one match that's going to make you over. It's a series uh, that gets you over. It's a series of doing a lot of the little things consistently over a period of time, and then before you know it, people are emotionally invested in you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, here with the big show. Um, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you're very underrated as a performer. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think uh, I'm such a unique case of being freakishly big, but... Um, working better than being able to work better than any other giant before me and i say mm-hmm. work better i mean athletically promo wise and i'm not sitting here tooting my horn trying to be arrogant pretty much anything they put in front of me i can do mm-hmm. but at the same time am i as good as a cane and taker no am i am i better than in the ring than an andre or a giant silver or the other giants has come before me absolutely athletically mm-hmm. but it's a different style you couldn't work i couldn't work andre's style now Andre would get booed out of the building mm-hmm. because his style for what he did back then was he was limited limited exposure. He was only in a territory a few weeks at a time. He moved along. People didn't see him that often, so it was unique and it was special. You know, I'm on, what, six six hours of TV a mm-hmm. week? I'm on everything. You and, know the what style, I mean? and the style of wrestling has changed, too, so you're bumping. Not bumping more, but you are definitely. you got to move. You're moving, yeah. They expect movement. You're they moving. expect, I mean, you know, I'm going to the top. I'm doing this. I'm doing different holds and moving and hitting the ropes because otherwise if I don't you know our audience now is trained to not understand that okay there's a story here I'm stalking this person I'm imposing my will that's fine for a little bit but they want to see something moving something happening mm-hmm. and it's been a, it's been a challenge to still be a giant and still at the same time um, catch up with the times mm-hmm. you know you look at a guy that was a big man that is, was able to evolve his character he's one of my favorite big men of all time you look at Taker Absolutely. How Taker evolved from when he first started, he was very classic big man. Slow movements, but explosive. Some athletic stuff with the top rope stuff. That's why he was a phenom. But then you see he went away. He came back with some MMA stuff. He got the go-go plotty in as a finish, the Hell's Gate. So he was able to adapt his character and move up. His you know? look, his image. His look, his changed. image, just, you know, everything. Uh, you know, I, I look at him and it's pretty amazing. But the problem with me is, is, is there's... We're so thin right now that there's just you know I'm I'm like uh, I'm like putty on a boat. I got to fill a lot of holes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is hey, it keeps me employed. So. Did Taker teach you a lot when you came up here? To Taker was amazing um, and brutal all at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember coming through the curtain, Chris, and I would I would screw up. You know, because, you know, back then there wasn't afternoon workout sessions and training centers or little lecture classes where everyone sat. Got I mean, you know, it was trial by fire. Mm-hmm. If you found a veteran that would talk to you, <laughs> yeah, you know, and Taker went after me and I became kind of like his young boy as far as, you know, and, and it was the best thing ever happened to me. But I remember after a match, I would instead of coming through the gorilla position, I would try to go to the side because <laughs> I would try to avoid him. 
You know, they'd be waiting for and you. And he'd be waiting for me. Yeah. And he had that long goatee then, back when he had the ministry thing going. Mm-hmm. And he'd have that crooked finger that he's torn the tender in. <laughs> that one finger that's always bent, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And he'd have it in the gloves, and he'd wave me over. And I remember driving down the road just like, man, I should just run my car off the bridge. <laughs> you know, he was just, you know, I was like, I'm such a piece of shit. By the time I got done. But in all sincerity, because... I had so much respect for Tegan because Tegan was a real good friend of mine outside of the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, he really challenged me to do a lot of things that made me, you know, a better talent. You know, I, I, one of the greatest moments in my life was uh, working with him when I came back in 2008. And uh, we had a Europe tour together and, and uh, you know, we had a match in France in that Coliseum that was just amazing match. It's still one of my favorites to this day. Nobody ever saw it except the people that was there. Mm-hmm. It's not on film, but... As well as one where he sat down and, you know, gave me the pat on the back and, uh, you know, good job, kid, <laughs> which means a lot after years of trying sure it to does. years of trying to prove to someone that you know that you're listening, that you're trying to apply everything that he says, and uh, you know that was a really good moment for me. It was interesting. I, I know we we came in pretty much. You were the first guy to come over from WCW. No, to you WWE. were here before me. No, you came in about. Six months before I did. Really? Yes, you were the I first. I sworn you were here first. You were the first that escaped. Well, you remember? Yeah, I was the first to get off the ship. Yeah. But, but as we said, I mean, WCW was a different world. Everyone had a different idea of how to do things, different attitudes. Well, WCW was a good place till the friggin', you know. Yeah, till what? Till the NWO came in. Well, yeah. You know, so, I mean. Uh, See, I wasn't there before the NWO came in. So I was tell, there before. Tell us the, tell us the well, difference before then. Before the NWO came in, um, I was, there was two young guys in the business, myself and Alex Wright. Mm-hmm. And you had Arn Anderson, you had Sting, you had Flair, you had Macho, you had Hogan, you, you Road Warriors. You had a lot of seasoned guys mm-hmm. that all knew who they were as characters. They were all confident, comfortable veterans. And let's face it, WCW, the guys got paid whether they worked or not. So there wasn't a lot of bitching and moaning about pay or where you were on the card. Yeah, you made your, your guarantee no matter what. No matter what. Right. You made your towns. You had fun. You know, and then the NWO came in, and I watched that place just because the the way those guys were able to, and, you know, good for them, but the way they were able to manipulate the system to their benefit, and this destroyed the entire hmm. the entire system down there. It was amazing. They just, you know, they, uh, I've never seen anything like that where they could come in and just step in. And remember, those guys got to a point where they weren't even working. They were talking and making three or four times what everybody else was and mm-hmm. not making towns and... Uh, it's only Tupelo. So right, they yeah, yeah. You know, they wouldn't go, you know? Yeah. So it was just weird to see that. And then when they started giving orders and direction and Eric was listening to them, and I was just like, hey, it's time to get out of here. Were you, like, considered, like, were you one of Hogan's guys, one of Hulk's well, guys? Well, I would say because Hulk kind of brought me in. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't like... It wasn't like, you know, there was this protective shield where Hogan was like, oh, can't beat him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that at all. The only time you got that shield was right before you started working with Hulk. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, um, I don't think it was uh, – I just lived in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I knew Hulk – and Hulk and I were good friends, and he was able to, to give me a lot of insight. But it's not like Hulk, you know, sat me down and gave me the law of the land and this, that, and the other. You know, you had to – you still had to – kind of survive on your own kind of thing there wasn't a lot of of, of hand catering mm-hmm. you know i was a pretty fun guy to hang out with so i got to hang out with him but at the same time all the ring stuff i had to because wasn't I'd, your first match against hulk first match was for against the hulk. for the title right for the title yeah and was, that's obviously hulk saying i got this guy gotta see oh, him, yeah hulk him wanted to, hulk saw a lot of potential in me and wanted to try to 
to do something really radical and, and make me right off the bat. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he got me good attention. He, you know, he had a good time with me, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember, you know, when I won the title, he told me, he says, brother, now that you're the champion, you've got to wear the title through the airport tomorrow and let everybody know that there's a new champion. <laughs> so, like a Mark. <laughs> and this is your first match. First so match. Why well, wouldn't you think? Why wouldn't different? I think that? Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> so, I'm walking through the airport in Detroit with a title on, you know, around my waist, walking through the airport. And, and all the other guys know that I'm being ribbed, you know. Like, hey, champ. And I've got my thumbs up. And Hacksaw Duggan's giving me a thumb up, you know. And I'm walking through the airport. I put the title down on the, you know, the x-ray belt. Just like a complete dumbass. You know, and I'm just so proud that I'm the champion. All these guys are supporting me. And, yeah, I beat Hulk Hogan last night. I'm the new champ. You know, all that crap. And finally, Sting walks over to me. He's going to sting back in the day, the blonde short hair, yeah. the cool glasses, you know. Being the stud that he was. But he walks over and he goes, what are you doing? I said, what do, you, what do you mean? What are you doing wearing the title, the championship? What are you doing wearing the belt? I said, well, Hogan told me to wear it to let everybody know there's this new champion. He says, please put it in your bag. You look like an idiot. <laughs> and I went, oh, they're ribbing me out. And he goes, yeah, they're ribbing you. And he walked off. But just the way he came over, I, I, then I went from being on top of the mountain <laughs> yeah. to like, Man, everybody's making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's kind of uh you know, as being the new guy. But new once guy, again, you get that, there's yeah. a lot of pressure because you're coming in, you're winning the title first night. You're taking somebody's position. And super green. Super green. Rookie. Super green. Like you I know. could do anything anybody told me in the ring, but I couldn't think for myself or nothing. You didn't know. I I didn't know. I remember one spot in that uh Halloween Havoc match with Hogan, I got him in the corner. I didn't have any corner offense. Mm-hmm. I've only been training six months, so I got him in the corner and I was like I didn't have chops then. I didn't have knees to the stomach. I didn't have punches to the stomach. I didn't have any corner offense. So when he sold to the corner, I'm standing in front of him, and I just deered in the headlights, you know. And then he grabs my – Hogan grabs my hand. He goes, oh, no, brother, don't choke me. And he's, he's fighting with my hand, but he's just moving it around. I went, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can do that. So I just started choking him in the corner. Isn't but that- there was a brief second that, like, you can't really tell when you watch it back. Yeah. But I remember it felt like it was like an eternity that I'm standing there going, oh, shit, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Didn't uh, Ron Reese come down, too, as the Yeti slash Oh, God, yeah. It wasn't like you guys kind of doing a double hump thing or something? Oh, yeah, because it was funny. There's a better story with Ron, um, I guess. Because Ron back, was another giant, too. Yeah, he was, he, was, he was a giant. He had the short arm. What a nice guy he was. Right. That was Ron's problem, too. He was such a nice guy. Yeah. you got to be a little bit of a dick you to do, make it really business. do. You have to be yeah. a little bit selfish, and you have to be a little bit aggressive for yourself to bit to make it you know that's what I right mean? and Aram was just too nice he's called t-rex the other short arms hey, hey dude hey, what's man. up dude hey what's up dude <laughs> and he goes over to randy who you know randy was super intense savage savage yeah. and he's all wrapped up in that mummy stuff and he looks at randy and says randy should i walk out with my arms straight out like a mummy or down at my sides like a zombie and randy looks and says brother do whatever the f you think is right and f off <laughs> Like that. And Ron Reese came over and says, wow, he's not very friendly, is he? I said, no, dude, he's just intense. Don't bother him show day. What's wrong with you? You know, because you know, I mean, you remember how intense Randy could be. So much I hardly even talk to him. No, you don't to talk him to him once. show day. Yeah. You catch him after the show. Yeah. But if you're not his opponent show day, no. Nah, is... Did you did you hang out with him a little bit? Randy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I you guys had Randy. some good times? Yeah, Randy was great. Randy was like, brother, don't try to run with the Joneses. Hmm. Save your money. 
Meaning well, don't spend. Meaning like, don't buy boats and big cars gotcha. and all the all the stuff like you know because you you hang out with guys like Hogan and Savage and they're running around in twin Mercedes. You know, Hogan's got a speedboat and all that. And you're sitting there going, yeah, I can get all that stuff too. <laughs> yeah. And Randy's like, brother, save your money. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, because Hogan made a lot of money at that time in WCW. Oh, he was he killing that place. He yeah. was killing that place. And good for him. Yeah. You know? So you mentioned when NWO came in that there was a whole change. Did it affect you, like knowing like these guys are taking over? No, I it, remember- didn't affect, it didn't really affect me other than the point of is I had a really good thing going for a while as far as Kevin Sullivan was, was booking and Kevin Sullivan was doing a great job of protecting my character, mm-hmm. so to speak, and making me uh, unique and special. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I wasn't overbooked on TV, um, when I was booked, I was destroying a lot of stuff. So he, he kept the, a lot of the myth and the purpose of, of what I brought to the table that allowed me to draw and make guys that I worked with. Back then, it was one of the kind of things that if you survived a match with me, you did well by surviving. Mm, just you know, the way that they had booked it. The way they had booked yeah. it. Yeah, I beat you, but at the same time, you gave a good accounting of yourself, so therefore you got yeah, over. I didn't you kill know? you. Yeah, I didn't kill yeah. you. So then when, uh, when those guys came in, it was, uh, you know... Oh no, man! You need to do this, and you know, I mean, G. They called you G. G. Yeah, which was was funny. I remember the time I was supposed to go over on Kevin. They'd thrown the coffee in my face and done this big angle, and then you know, Kevin got sick and, just, and couldn't come to a pay per view. He had a heart attack. Yeah, aka like you know, heartburn or something. Something. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I remember that because didn't he power bomb you in your head? Uh, or something yeah, like but that. You know what? That that power bomb thing. Honestly, we'd done it like two weeks before, and there was no problem. So well, that's what, what had happened, there was just a screw up there, and, and Kevin and I have talked. I got no hard feelings about that at all. It just it was a freak accident. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that he did on purpose, but I'm saying that that was a big angle that you. Yeah, had it hurt, looked devastating. Yeah, I had the, the neck big, collar. Yeah, and I had torn the ring post out, and we'd done all this stuff, and they had thrown coffee in my face, and I couldn't touch him because of restraining order, which mm-hmm. is another great way for them to do all kinds of dirty crap to me, but I can't touch them. <laughs> you know, get real in your face go. Ooh. Yeah, they get in your face and kill that. your heat, and just go ooh. You know. Yeah. And uh, then come pay per view time, this, you know, I'm supposed to get my payback because I've gone through all this stuff, and now you finally get your hands on him. Then it's like, no, uh, well, he's sick, da da da. He's not here. And I'm like, well, you hope the guy's all right. And then his partner said, oh, we're going to work with with Scott. And then Scott's like, no, man, it'd be better if I just flick you with a toothpick and and get away. It's more heat for us. I'm like, nah, dude. I'm killing you today. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's the way it was. Because you used to really be concerned about. Okay, there's, there's, you know, if I don't get my hands on something, they're leaving my character with his, you know, mm-hmm. with his thumb up his ass. You know what I mean? You got to get some kind of uh, recompense yeah. for for Good all word. the stuff that you. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad. I've actually read a book one or two. <laughs> so you get some kind of recompense for all the things that have been done to you. And I just remember really getting tired of that whole political mm-hmm. BS, which. In all sincerity, I'm not really mad about it now that I'm older because that's what they had to do to survive, and, and they were able to get away with it. You know what I mean? I never get mad about guys that have better contracts or guys that do better than me. I'm never jealous or envious of people that do that because good for them. They were able to see an angle and do something that I couldn't do. Yeah. All I can try to do is do what I can for me, you know what I mean, and then that's my lot. You right. know what I mean? So it, you can't... You can't blame them for being able to get away with it. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't get mad Someone's at somebody. Sure you know what I mean? If somebody else found another way to be successful, well, be happy for them. Then that means 
there are other ways to do things that you haven't pursued yet. So there are other opportunities for you as well. Because mm-hmm. if they've made those opportunities work for them, then there's got to be a way to make other opportunities for yourself work. You can't ever let somebody else's success you know, depress you or make you think or be envious of them. It should enlighten you and say, oh, my God, there's another opportunity for me. Because if they made that dumb shit work, then i got to be able to come up with a better way to make something work for me. And, and that's kind of the one thing about WCW is we didn't really know who the boss was. I mean, Eric was the boss, quote, unquote. He was the boss, but there were so many guys that had, quote, unquote, creative control. Right. Sullivan is the booker, but Hogan has the control, and Holland Nash are involved, and Savage has a thing, and then Sting and Luger have a thing. Yeah. You didn't know who to go to. Like, we yeah. didn't have a clue who to talk to yeah. if at any you know, And then if nobody agreed on stuff, it was just a nightmare. Mm. And yeah, it was a... It was a it was a, a lot of chiefs and not very many Indians, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, I guess a lot of captains and not enough sailors or something. You know. Yeah, and then it got kind of like lazy. Do you remember the time that I was working with Stevie Ray yeah. uh, for the TV title? And then the finish was you came down to the ring, choke slammed Stevie Ray, and then I covered him and won. And there was no reason why. We never really figured out why. You, people say, "Why did Big Show come down to the ring?" Like, I'm not really sure why. Yeah, Big I just decided that I didn't want Stevie Ray to be champion anymore, or I something, guess. or whatever. Just it was. in a bad mood, bad just catering, in a bad mood. Just backstage. get this match over with. I don't know what the hell it was. Yeah. And, and then I remember other time you came down. You were you were smoking. Yeah, then that was because I had sat there and argued with somebody over something really bad, and I used to smoke back then, and I forgot I had a cigarette in my mouth. I just walked out with a cigarette. Because remember, back then I didn't have ring music because I was a giant. <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't have ring music at WCW. You're that, too big for ring I'm, music? I'm, yeah, it's my gimmick is I don't have ring music because you know I'm a giant, so giants don't need ring music. <laughs> so I used to walk out like some jabron janitor that just you know got lost, and here I come. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everyone's got this elaborate ring music. Everybody's got elaborate ring out. music and pyro, and I just walk out like, hey, how you doing? My name's Giant. Here I am. I love you know? the originality in your name, too. The Giant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, how, how did you get that? They just told you yeah, this that's, name? That's what they called it. started calling me the Giant. And Kevin Sullivan one time spelt my name wrong on the booking sheet, so I show up to wrestle Luger in San Diego, and instead of uh, Lex Luger versus the Giant, it was Lex Luger versus the Gant, G-A-I-N-T. <laughs> So I walk home and go, who the hell did that? And then it's on the booking sheet and the whole deal, Gant, G-A-I-N-T. So that's where I got the nickname. I remember that. Yeah, Gant. Gant. This is the name. Gant. That was my nickname, Gant. And it's like, oh, what the? Because the, the original thing was you were, you were the giant, the son of Andre son the Giant. Son of Andre the Giant. Yeah, that was, that was their idea to give me some kind of legitimate. Just um, credibility. Credibility, you know, which was really awkward for me. because Because sure. it's like, you know. Does anybody really believe this? You know, what's funny is even now, people will still come up to me and go, Really? Even now, and you can tell they're the really hardcore fans that really love what we do. They say, oh, I love watching your dad, and I love watching you too. And it's like, my dad was an airplane mechanic. You like watching him work on airplanes or what? You know, you want to say that, but you yeah. can't. I just nod my head. Really? And say, I just nod my head and say thank you. And, and I you don't. Never, you never pop the no, bubble. No, well, you know, burst the bubble. If somebody believes in Santa Claus and believes in the Easter Bunny, and you know, <laughs> right? You know, why, who, who am I? To, who am I to, to destroy what they believe in? But that's why you had. The, we were talking earlier about the one, the one strapped yeah. singlet. Mm-hmm. That's why you had it because obviously Andre wore it, so you have to wear that's it. That's what giants wear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Giants have no music. Music and no style. You just, you know, you come down here. And I remember how that used to make me do the the crazy deep voice and Hogan. I have the power in my hand. You know, it was all gimmicky back then. You know, you look at the stuff we did back in then with the Dungeon of Doom stuff. It was horrible. Oh my gosh, who was in the Dungeon of Doom? That was some uh, bad. It was Kevin Sullivan, um, uh, Brutus was yes no. 
Um, was was he the, the yes no? Yes no the zodiac. Oh yeah yeah the zodiac. He goes yes no yes no yes no. <laughs> what? Like what the hell is that? Are you on a bad trip or something? <laughs> yeah, he had the worst gimmicks in in all. He was the booty he had, man. He was zodiac. He was E Harrison Leslie. He uh, was NWO Beefcake, whatever it was. Yeah, you know it's funny, but you know there was uh, Hugh Morris. Hugh, okay, that was Hugh. Yeah, he was more Hugh Morris, which is great. You know he was so athletic. Remember how athletic yeah. he was. I remember he got hired. Sullivan called him. He was working in Mexico and said, "Hey, you still fat?" He went, "Yeah, you're hired." He brought him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no. there was like there was a leprechaun in there. Uh, the, the Sarge, remember Sarge, the uh, trainer? Yeah, yeah. He was Sarge in there. was in there. Um, God, I'm trying to remember who else. Zeus was Zeus in that. Uh, Tiny Lister. Yeah, uh, he was at one pay per view. We had uh, him and um, uh, Jeep Swenson was in there too. Oh my Big Jeep. We had that one pay-per-view, we had that three-story cage match, but none of the guys could get to the third floor because they had all the old guys, and nobody could get up there. It was like this three-story cage, but nobody could climb to the top of it. Was it like Everybody right away was like, no, nah, brother, I'll, I'll get beat down here on the bottom level. <laughs> was it like seven guys to one or something? Yeah, like I think Arn was in that, too. you gotta, you got to ask him about that. He's got a hell of a story about that. When so. did, when did you know it was time to, to split from WCW? Uh, it was a time to split from WCW, honestly, when I – was looking, and one of the constant things in WCW there after I got rolling and got moving was all the main events and all the live events was me versus Sting, me versus Luger, me versus Nash, me versus Hogan, me versus Savage, me versus Goldberg. There was one, con- I was the constant mm-hmm. heel in all these shows. And then there were a couple of guys who were making three times what I was making, you know. And uh, I went to Eric and I said, you know, hey, this is what I've been told, this is what I've heard, I'm making this. They're making this. Can we come to agreement? Can I get a bump? You know, a bump and pay. Mm-hmm. And I just caught him in a bad mood or whatever. You know how sometimes he could be a great guy and sometimes he was just a power-hungry dick. Right. And uh, on that day, I caught him as a power-hungry dick. And he was just like, you know, why would I negotiate with you? I still have you under contract for a year and a half. And, you know, you, know, you need to learn to be a better negotiator. And I was like... Okay, well, considering I came here brand friggin' new, never done anything in this business, I thought I did pretty well for myself. Mm-hmm. Now that I've kind of proven myself as obviously as a stable, you know, horse in the stable kind of a thing, you know, you'd think that, you know, okay, cool. So then I just, you know, waited. I called a friend of mine, Victor Kionis, who mm-hmm. made a phone call, and I just let everybody know that when my contract's up, I'm interested in talking, and then I just wrote it out and waited. So, so you never talked to them until your contract was was up. Of course, yeah, you know, of course, yeah. But Vince must have must have loved you when you came to him. You know, Vince was was the one thing about Vince that I'll say, and still to this day, he's got that unbelievable ability to inspire you as a talent. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a way of 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 looking outside. I've been around him so many years, and not just because he's my boss, because he is kind of he's crazy. Mm-hmm. But he's also brilliant that he can look at something and see something that nobody else sees and brings that out of that talent somehow, mm-hmm. some way. I mean, there are so many things that, you know, in the day I just wonder, you know, how did Vince see that? How did he come up with that, you know? and, and He's the master of little details that no one else can see. I always remember, yeah. think of it. Remember those pictures that were big about 10 years ago where you would look at, like, a, a picture? Yeah, oh, the dots one. The and dots, then, yeah. There's a sailboat in here, and you can't see it, and then suddenly... There's a sailboat. Like, how could I not have seen yeah, yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, that's a good. That's a good analogy. I always thought that about him. Vince. You know, yeah, he would see those things that no one else could see, and then you're like, it's so obvious. How did I miss that? How did I miss that? Yeah, you know? he's and then he's so far ahead of the curve on a lot yeah. of stuff too. 
Did you like, did you go meet with them before you made your debut? Did you go to, to stand? I mean, once you're done with WCW, hey, I went to his house when I was still under contract with WCW, so you don't have to worry. There's no tampering yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, well, but, yeah, but, I'm, but, I'm sticking to my story. But, 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 <laughs> but once once your contract starts with WWE, no. did you just meet Vince at the arena the first no, night no, no, you showed up? No, no, no. I met Vince at his house in Boca. Gotcha. So okay. I, I met Vince in Boca, and, and uh, um, I met him and Shane, and it was just... Uh, I was just amazed at, at Vince's personality and his direction. He sat there and talked to me, and want, we want to do this, this, and this, and this is what's going to be expected of you. And this what were some of the things that he was saying it was expected? Uh, for me, he wanted uh, he wanted to explore a lot of my talents and a lot of things that that uh, no one else has seen. Yet. He says, obviously you're intelligent, obviously you're athletic. You know, he says, you're, if I could put Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant together under one entity, mm. you know, that's what I see in you. He says, you've got Andre style, but you also have Hulk's personality and and outgoingness and and you know that's such a great compliment and da da da. Mm. da. So you know it was uh, it was very inspiring and you know and I got to look over the years I've been here you know what sixteen years now and uh, um, I really can't complain. Sure, you know do I wish you know a lot of things were different, but I think a lot of that responsibility of why things are the way they are and I'm. I'm used the way I am. A lot of that's my own fault for stuff I've done in the ring and didn't do. Mm-hmm. But all in all, I've had a pretty damn good run, and I got nothing to really complain about. I'm still part, having fun. But that's part of your longevity, though. I think everyone goes through like you're talking. You about can't stay on top forever. You got to be versatile. You got to go through the cycle, and you yeah. do in comedy sometimes, and you do it like you said. Yeah. You know, I think we did the thing. You're a giant destroyer, knocking guys out, and I think we break up, and the next week you get knocked out by a horse. Yeah. <laughs> like oh no, the spinning horse. cow. The spinning cow. I remember you were so hot about I was like, that. What? Six months of building you up, and this and then you is what get you knocked do. out by a mechanical Come bull. Come on, man! Do I have to be there all the time? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just you know, it's it's what needs to be done, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's the one thing too is you you could sit back and get you know frustrated and depressed, like oh my god, well I'm not doing this, I should be doing this. But you got to really step back, pull your personal bullshit, I call it, out of it, and then look at the whole whole system and what you represent. I mean, mm-hmm. I still represent, you know. I'm one of the last of the attitude guys that's working that's right. every weekend. Yeah, there's a lot of experience and a lot of things I can help these guys with, and they get frustrated, you know, because they'll get frustrated and start bitching about shit and worrying. And I'm just like, dude, look <laughs> at what I've done. Yeah, there's nothing you're doing today that can't be fixed tomorrow, or that people will remember three years from now. Right. Just relax, stay positive. You know, the key to longevity is it's not having one great year and making a whole lot of money. It's having 15 to 20 years of making a lot of money. It's longevity. So long, longevity means dependability and versatility. You know right. what I mean? And it's not so much, like you said, like tonight there's a match that, you know, a year from now people might not remember. They're remembering Big Show as a character, as a performer, right. not from certain – obviously there's the classic obviously, moments. Ob- obviously there's moments where people right. go, you know, the, the one that sticks out in my head is a friggin' sumo match with Aki Bono. <laughs> That's one of those things I just look – I remember that was John Laurinaitis' big idea. You know, I love Johnny, but – but Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace is dead, brother. Yeah, but that's right. J- Johnny Ace was like, uh, you got to work with Aki Bono. He's a huge star in Japan, and this is going to be fantastic for you. We're going to Japan. And I'm like. And this is a WrestleMania. It was a WrestleMania. So, I mean, it's a rib. Obviously, they took 40 yards of silk, and I had to wear that Mawashi wrapped up my ass. And the diaper looking. The diaper thing. thing. And then they pat it down with water, and it shrank. So it shoved my nuts so far up my guts. It felt like ovaries by the time oh. they got done. Cause it, what do you mean they pat it down with water? Well, when they wrap you up in the thing. 
it's it's one single sheet of silk folded many times, but it's forty yards long. Gotcha. And then they wrap it up and through, and the whole deal. Like if I'd have farted, I'd probably would have blown the top of my head off. You know what I mean? I mean, it was packed tight. So then they pack it with water. They tap it down with water, and the water tightens the silk. Oh, okay. Like I mean, that thing hurt my hips. It was compressing everything so bad. Like mm. I'm surprised my voice didn't go up a couple octaves. Hi, I'm Big Joe. Hi, I'm Big Joe. You know, my nuts are up around my throat now. But uh, um, and you guys actually had a sumo. We match. had a sumo yeah. style match, and Chad was amazing. I mean, what a great, great, humble was, guy that he was. And I learned a lot about sumo. He was a legit yokozuna. He champion. was a legit local yokozuna Hawaiian guy, Japanese. You know, he ended up becoming Japanese, or or mm-hmm. well, however that works. You know, you change citizenship or whatever. Yeah. Um, but just a really cool deal and told me a lot of the history of sumo. And so then after I got into it, I said, okay, this is a pretty cool deal. Granted, it's a, it's a WrestleMania thing, but all in all, the, the spiritual, um, the, the spiritual meaning behind sumo and what it means to Japanese people, I learned a lot and learned a lot of respect for it. But, you know, WrestleMania-wise is my angle. Johnny's telling me, oh, this is going to be so good for you, and da-da-da-da-da. And then, you know, we did the thing, and, I got, of course, I put the guest over because that's what we do in that's WWE. Right. That's right. You bring a guest in, we make the guest look good, you know. Yeah. So then we go to Japan, you know, and Johnny Ace is sitting ringside, you know, and I'm out first, and I got a great reception from the Japanese fans, a lot of cheering, and I'm all excited now. Okay, this is going to be a good match, and then, you know, Yoko's Akabono comes out, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. And I looked over at Johnny Ace, and I went, great effing idea, like that. <laughs> and Johnny's just sitting there turning red. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't understand. So they had you guys do the match again in Japan. They had me do it again oh, in Japan because they thought this was going to be, you know, this Huge great big draw, thing. Yeah. And nobody gave a crap. They were happy to see Big Show, and, you know. Because well, they want to see the Big Show for they the, want to see, see on TV. Yeah, they want to see me do what I do on TV. They yeah. don't want to see me do this crap again. I mean, not that it was any good anyway. It was all I could do, but. I remember seeing when I was in Japan, you were over there, maybe with WCW New yeah. Japan. I remember seeing a picture of you doing a drop kick off the top rope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, I, I've done some some crazy stuff. And WCW, we had the cables, right? And they were a lot stiffer. And I remember I used to, you know, be in the ring and I could run up and stand on the top turnbuckle from the inside. I would wow. just run up and stand on the top turnbuckle and turn around the top turnbuckle. I'd do a standing backflip off the top of what? it. What? Yeah, I back could do. Flip, yeah, stand on the top turnbuckle, do a standing backflip, land on my feet in the ring. And I remember I did a moonsault in one of the small towns in Japan. And uh, by the time I got back to the hotel, my message light was blinking on my phone. And I got back to the hotel, and, you know, it was a couple of guys that I respected a whole lot in this business, brother. And uh, he called me and just ripped me a new one for that. You heard about that in the States? He heard about that in the States. Wow. And this is before, like, Internet. Yeah. And, you know, somebody had called him. And bro, he called the hotel right away and was like, you know, don't ever do that again. You're killing your gimmick. You know, you need to keep your feet on the ground. That's not what giants do. I mean, like, he was seriously upset. You'd think I had taken a crap in the, in, you know, in the dining room table or something. <laughs> taking a crap in his toilet and walked out. Yeah, I took a crap in his toilet and walked out. But uh, I don't do that anymore. I have a little bit more coof. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, so I, I backed off all that completely. But did you understand the reasoning? For yeah, that? I understand the reason, but it was, it was frustrating for me because I was like, okay, well, I'm kind of – I have to do this, you know, because I'm a giant. I have to move lumberingly, and I have to let people duck under. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple of things I wouldn't do. I wouldn't let guys go between my legs. You know what I mean? Stupid shit like that. But uh, right. 
I would have to slow down a lot of my work because if I moved as fast as I could move, if I moved like I, I could move, it was such a one-sided, overwhelming thing that how do you how do you work with anybody? Right. And our right. business is about working. You try to enhance someone else's abilities at the same time, still tell a story and make it believable to have a match with this person. You know, if I went out there and did all the stuff I could do, I'd just mow through people, and then yeah. after a while, you wouldn't have anybody to work right, with. Right. And that's not not the kind of guy I am anyway. I mean, I try to go out there and and figure out who's doing what, and I'm a little judicious with who I'm bumping for and how much I'm bumping for them but if the match warrants it you know yeah mm-hmm. I'll, you know I'll put on my bumping boots and here we go you know we're talking about the Akabona thing how it wasn't the greatest Wrestlemania thing but the one that was amazing with the guest was the Mayweather yeah that, that was really amazing cool. yeah he did a great job what a great you know and I don't think people understand Money Mayweather that much that he is a brilliant brilliant guy for promotion he understands how to get people emotionally involved he's a fantastic boxer just absolutely amazing boxer but he's also one of those great promoters kind of like ali was he knows how to get himself over he knows how to understand the crowds he knows how to to play the role so to speak you know what i mean and then when he came in with us he made all the workouts he made all the practices he took it seriously took it seriously was very respectful and we had a lot of fun with it out there i remember at one point in that match he's on my back in a rear chokehold and he's getting excited, you know, but he's really clamping down mm-hmm. on my neck, you know. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, lighten up, lighten up. And he's still squeezing. I'm like, lighten up on my effing neck. And he went, sorry, he got real loose. He was like, <laughs> you know. He got into it. Did he, did, he, did he break your nose that first night? He broke my nose that first night when we started the angle. And I'd, you know, I'd done some boxing the whole year before, before I came right. back. So believe it or not, I was kind of used to getting punched in the face, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. So when I was talking to him, I said, look, I'm so much bigger than you. You're going to need to break my nose. And Floyd is such a great, you know, Money Mayweather is such a great boxer. I trusted him to break my nose Mm -hmm. because there's a way to do it. If you're a fighter, you know how to do it. Really? He looks at me and goes, you want me to do what? Yeah, I need you to break my nose. I said, because if you don't break my nose, we're dead in the water, and we need to get people emotionally invested in this. Mm -hmm. They have to know it's not a... Not a typical work. work. Yeah. It's a work shoot, but we want we want to get people talking like, holy crap, because who the hell is dumb enough to let a boxing champion break his nose? Right, because you went down on your hand. On your I knees. went down on my knee, hands to my side, stuck my face out and closed my eyes to get my nose so here's broke. here's your free shot. Here's your free yeah. shot. And I said, you got to take it, because if you don't, we're dead in the water, and it's it's going to be one of those kind of things that we, we, we need to get people buzzing and talking mm-hmm. about it. And I was excited for the opportunity, because originally it was supposed to be Floyd and I against Batista and Ray in a tag. Really? Originally, but then Batista tore a tricep or a lat or mm-hmm. a bicep or something. Ray got hurt, and then, you know, this is all within like a two-week time span. And then it just says, you know, hey, would you work with Floyd and Money Mayweather and put him over? I'm like, absolutely. I'll work with <laughs> him. You put over Akabono, why not? Yeah, I, 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 I put over way worse. Trust me, not a problem. You know, I got put over Zach Gowan for crying out loud. Oh, the one-legged guy. Yeah, the one-legged guy whose strength meter was real strong. <laughs> yeah, that's anyway, right. he would compare his uh, matches to a video game. Yeah, my like, strength meter is. Oh, my strength meter is too strong right now. I'll come over and I'll bump you off the apron. I looked and I said, "Yeah, you go ahead and try that shit and see how it works out." <laughs> exactly. You know, he wants to do a real wrestling. You know, here's another kid. He had a great chance to you know get so much sympathy and be a great worker, but you know, he came in and. And kind of had the wrong mm-hmm. attitude and rubbed everybody the wrong way. I remember I chopped him and 
on TV, and Hogan called me that night. He says, "Brother, don't ever chop that kid again. He might, he might cave his whole chest in." Just, <laughs> He's a skinny just guy. Just be careful with one leg. Yeah, like Hogan was worried I was really going to shoot, crush his chest or something. But uh, you know, with Floyd, he did such a great job of of understanding the role we were playing, and we had such a great media tour because he is such a an international such star, a, and he's such a promoter, like you said. Such which a promoter. He told me he got that from wrestling. He said, "I'm not really." A bad guy, but I come across it because I know people yeah, he, buy he's a character. pay-per-views. He, they're buying yes. pay-per-views to hopefully see him get his ass kicked. And they bought pay-per-views for that WrestleMania because it did a huge buy rate. It's the second highest pay-per-view we've done. Yeah, The yeah. only one that's ever beat it so far is the Battle of the Billionaires. Oh, yeah, Trump and, and yeah. Vince for the Trump hair versus Vince hair. For the, you know, which, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. which was really great. But, uh, um, yeah, it was funny. It's after the pay-per-view, you know, everything went well. and Oh, we were talking about the nose breaking, yeah. Right. So I got on my knee, and, uh, and, he, and I thought he hit me three times. Look at the tape back. He hit me five times. He's so damn that fast. That quick? I mean, it was amazing how fast he was. Wow. I mean, I was like, holy crap. He hit me faster than I could feel it. <laughs> I mean, I felt it afterwards. Yeah. But it felt like three punches, but it was actually five. Wow. So I was like, I walked away going, good God, is he fast. But when he hit me in the nose, he hit me with a left hook on the side of the nose. And as soon as he did it, you know, you heard the crack and all the hot blood shot in the back of my throat. So Ooh. I knew it was broke. Well... Work or not, I'm still, you know me, I can be grumpy. So <laughs> a little soon, bit. A little bit. So as soon as that blood hit the back of my throat, my temper went right through my roof. I mean, right through the top of my head. Like, if I'd have got my hands on somebody, I'd have hurt him. Hmm. So I went, and I told him before, I said, look, when you, got, when you do it, don't be there. Because hmm. odds are, you know. Just your instinct. Is my gonna, instinct yeah. by then, I'll, I, you know, I'm going to end up hurting somebody because I'll be in kill mode. Mm-hmm. Can't help it. There's Viking ancestry in there somewhere. <laughs> There's a berserker. Right. I'm sure. You know what I mean? I'll feel bad about it later, but, you know, yeah. I'll try to pull your spine out of the back of your head. <laughs> right. So, you know, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I remember chasing him over the wall, and I thought I had him, but was one of his entourage that I ran down, and you're screaming, no, 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 no. So that wasn't him. And I went after And then Shane comes out of the back. You know, Shane and I are boys. And Shane looks at me and goes, are you all right? You all right? And I went, yeah. He goes, that was freaking awesome. And I was like, okay, good. Yeah. And then they calmed me back down because I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're back in work mode. Because there's a few seconds there where I'm standing with Shane. I'm still yeah, hot. You, and then yeah. I, then I kind of got my faculties back and calmed down. And we were off and running. I think we made Sports Center and a bunch of things because oh, nobody yeah. expected him to – to break my nose or somebody just to stand there and get their nose broken. I mean, I mean you knew the stuff that we used to do back in the day for yeah. our angles. And, you know, you knew this was an opportunity and a chance to headline WrestleMania. So you step up the plate. You know what I mean? It's, and by getting your nose broken, you made a lot of money. Made a lot of money for yeah. myself. Made a lot of money for people on the card. We did a good yeah. pay-per-view buy. You know, other than the pyro guys setting a bunch of people on fire. In oh, Orlando. in Orlando, yeah. In Orlando. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, if they had to screw that up, you know, it would have been a little bit better payoff. But... <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Okay, so show another great thing that you and I did. One of my favorites when we were a team was the thing in Washington with Shaq. 
Oh, yeah. Remember how yeah. good that was? Yeah, was it was that a ever, lot of fun. Was that ever something that was in the cards? Because the rumor was there was it, a possibility. It was, but I think, I think a lot of it had to do with scheduling because Shaq had so much stuff going on. Gotcha. And I think a lot of that, too, was, was his management team, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I think Shaq's always been real good to me, real good to to WWE. He's always been a good mm-hmm. fan. But I think he's just one of those guys that's such a big star. Just He, he couldn't find the time because he was – already obligated to so many other things and to and put in the, the time to, to put in the match. time to get the workouts in to get you know, the last shack. thing you know yeah. we're going to do everything we can to make a guest look good mm-hmm. you know what i mean but they kind of have to show up too to get it this is not something you just walk in and do right you have to understand yes. a little bit the beats and the rhythms and and what we're trying to do here and this is why we're doing this because if you just go out there and you're not prepared you know you're going to you mm-hmm. You're going to look bad, right, right? Right. And we don't want that. We want the guests to come in and look good. So amazing. Uh, it just didn't work out. It would have been fun for a while. I would have had a good time working with Shaq because oh, he's yeah. such a character, and it would have been. Uh, we had a it, blast that night. He called yeah. me Christina, and that started to chant for months. Oh Christina. yeah, remember that? I remember he, he said Christina and kissed me on the forehead. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. Hey, he, he's another one that really got the idea of. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. loved that part of it. Yeah, I know. Was I was going to ask you before. How, how did you? Uh, how did they decide on the name The Big Show? I don't know. Me personally, I think it was a shove up uh, WCW's ass because the big show is also TBS. Really? Yeah, that's the initials, TBS. Yeah, of course, yeah. So I think that was a, because you know Vince has his little subtleties. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he walks by me and he goes, how's the big show today? I'm like, I thought he was saying, where's the big show today? Mm-hmm. And I was like. Um, was that the first that you heard of it? First of I heard yes. of it, I said, what? I said, pardon? And he goes, the big show, that's you. Because I'm thinking, who the hell is a big show? Yeah. He goes, you know, you're a giant. You walk, you talk, you're athletic. You're the big show. You're all that in one. And I'm like, okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I walked away going, oh, dear God, please tell me that's not my name. The big show. That just friggin' sucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. It's but, so funny because 15 years down the line, hey, show, how you doing? Show? Yeah, I'm show. It's the big show. Yeah, I'm the but big show. But at the I time, got... hearing it, it was kind of weird because it doesn't really grammatically make sense. No. Yeah, what's your name? The Big Show. Who First is, name The, last name Show. Yeah, I remember I used to say that. First name The, last name Show. <laughs> Middle yeah. name Big. Middle name Big. So, yeah, it didn't make sense. But, you know, again, that's it, Vince. Uh, it, yeah. It sticks, you know. I remember when I went to him with, um, uh, obviously he wanted to use Chris Jericho, but I wanted to call my finishing move the the, the Y2J problem because like, right. it was right around the millennium change yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. like yeah my finish would be like this you know submission hole and it's called the y2j problem he goes no 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 he goes the finish is not the y2j problem you're the y2j problem you're y2j that's your name and i was like oh okay and from then on he was always hello y2j hello y2j never chris jericho because that was my other name his name for me was Y2J. The one that he owned the patent and the That's rights right. to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the exactly. one that he owned the intellectual property to. Exactly. Because yeah. exactly. I started out as Paul White because very few guys in this business really have their real name. Yeah. You look at John Cena's real lucky. Randy Orton's real lucky. They've been able well, they went through a phase where they were giving everyone their real name. And now they've, they've changed that back again. But about mid-2000, everyone had their real name. They yeah. went through that phase, right? Right. So, But you were going to be Paul White? I was going to be Paul White. And I guess Paul White sounded really... Boring. Yeah. You know, it's so. Very, yeah, exactly. It, it sure. would have been nice to have my real name now after all this time invested to go on and do other things <laughs> yeah, after I retire. Right. But, right. you know. Let's you know. talk about another uh, amazing angle. I just saw it the other day because they were talking about the um, move of SmackDown to Thursday and they showed right. a bunch of highlights. And it's the classic you suplex Brock or vice versa. And oh, the Brock ring, suplex. The ring me. breaks. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that. How, how was that done? How did you guys do that? 
Um, what was the, the story behind that? That's funny. You know, I've kayfabe this whole thing for, for years and told everybody, oh, the ring broke. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a really crazy time. And that was an idea that Vince had. Um, you know, he, want, he wanted to tell that story that, you know, because I think I'd done something a couple weeks earlier. I was hitting the ropes of the ring, and I had hit the rope so hard that I actually broke a corner post. Mm. Like, the ring actually broke a little bit. Mm. Of course, you know... The structural integrity, I had broken a weld in the side, and everybody was talking about it, which kicked Vince off into, God, you know, he's such a big giant. Imagine if he took something. And Vince came to me with this whole idea. You know, Brock, who was the, you know, he wasn't the beast then. He was, uh, what was he, the future? or oh, What was he called? Yeah, Heyman brought him in as the, uh, yeah. the, the, the next big thing. The next big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. next big yeah. thing, that's right. And uh, so... Um, you know, he asked me if I could take a suplex. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brock stands on top. Yeah, I just take a suplex, no problem. And um, then his idea was to, you know, once we hit the ring, see, we did a spot right before we broke the ring where we were both down. Mm-hmm. And they shoot a real close up of both of us selling. Well, in that time, Ellis had airbags under the ring. Mm-hmm. So they had lifted the ring a couple of inches. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So now when I'm standing on that top corner, that ring is like standing on marbles. It's oh, it's not, moving. Because it's moving. Oh. Which now I've got my fat ass up in the air, 500 <laughs> pounds, on not very stable surface, you know, with the vanilla gorilla Brock, who is strong, <laughs> enough, to, strong enough to suplex your, with your head or tear your head off. The vanilla gorilla, that's great. <laughs> you know, the vanilla gorilla. So then, you know, we did the match, and, you know, you know the ring broke. And I just remember when it happened, because I didn't really, I, I, didn't, I didn't know if people were going, you know, because you know how our audience was back then. They could have chanted bullshit. Or, right. You know, you, you never know. And you don't know how the stunt is going to look. You don't know how the stunt's going to look. And, man, it was so perfectly timed the way we did it. And Ellis did a great job of setting it up. And that thing compli- collapsed. And everybody just, they bought it so long. And this is the first time out of all the interviews I've ever done wow. for you. Thank you. I've admitted the truth <laughs> that that was a rigged angle. So there you go. There you go. That's I've exposed on, on how many hundreds of interviews I have lied right through my teeth <laughs> and said it was a shoot. Well, that's not a bad lie. It's, it's not like you, you're... No, no, no. You know, it's the whole thing. You know, if you get a chance to suspend people's reality just for an instant, well, but, but, it's good for them. But the thing is, it, you know, okay, fine. You're saying it was a, a rigged thing, which is fine. But it was real because when you hit, it, it collapses... And then it collapses again. Yeah. It goes. It was so. I just watch. And the, the referee, I think it might have been Kyoto. Yeah, it was Kyoto. He, he stumbles at first. And then the second time it goes down, he falls. It just looks so amazingly. Yeah. And whether it's rigged or not, it was real. It yeah. looked great. Yeah. The only thing that we did with that that I really was upset about is we recreated it again with Mark Henry. Oh, we really? Yeah, we did it again. And I fought that tooth and nail. Like, please don't do this again. Yeah. It was a one time thing. It was very special. Let's not do this again. And I, I lost, uh, I, I lost that battle. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when Mark was champion, I think, and they were trying to do everything for him. And and I was like, please, let's not, let's not do that. But no one remembers that. You know what no, I mean? They, they remember, remember Brock. They remember the original one. Yeah. So. You always had great chemistry with Brock. You guys had some great matches together. You know what? It's funny because you know I went through a stage where you know I wasn't very popular up here. You know, it was a guy <laughs> that was running talent relations that, you know. Didn't think very much of me at the time for whatever reason. Um, uh, maybe Damn I, show. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I wasn't living up to the potential that he thought. Maybe I, I don't know what it was, but you know, I was just one of those. I wasn't one of his guys, mm-hmm. and it made things very difficult. And you know, he sent me to Louisville for because there was months. a phase where we had to do legit weigh-ins. 
legit weigh-ins. It was just ridiculous. I mean, you know, you know, I remember other guys were telling me to get up to 500 pounds because I was too skinny. You know what I mean? Look like a giant, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, granted, I just, you know, let myself go when I got to 500 and something pounds. But, you know, for for good health purposes, yeah, it was better for me to, to, to drop some weight and get in shape. But it just it got aggravating after a while because, you know, he was on me all the time about this crap. And then, uh, so what I think had happened is I'd had a really good year the year before and had really made a significant amount of money with, you know, rock on top and stone cold on top and, I mean, we were doing ridiculous business, so at the end of the year, I kind of called up and said, hey, where is this money that's over my guarantee, and I'll get back to you in a week about that. You know, well, obviously, two weeks later, I'm in Louisville, hmm. and the whole 10 months I spent in Louisville, I was paid uh, that money that I earned over because no. I was on the road. Yeah. Why were you sent to Louisville? Uh, I was sent to Louisville to, uh, to get in shape. Yeah, because you didn't make the weigh-in. I didn't make my weigh-ins. Well, what they forget is when I came back, I'd had knee surgery. So I, I, but, wait, wait. I'd been out for like eight weeks with a knee surgery where I'd had like, you know, my knee scoped and I came back to work and we didn't have performance centers and stuff like that then like we have now. You know, I had knee surgery and what do you do? You do a couple of weeks of rehab and you get back in the ring and work. What weight did they want you down to? Uh, JR wanted me down to 390. See, and you're not a 390 pound man. No, no You're I'm a four, big dude. I'm 450 now yeah, and I'm I mean, pretty happy with f- it. Five plus is too much five plus was too much yeah but when i was running around the 26 inch neck yeah i was a little too big <laughs> you know what i mean so they sent you to louisville for it was for a long i remember you were gone for ages i was gone there for 10 months but what happened was wow. is because you know it was hard for me because i didn't have the experience to run with guys like taker and, mm-hmm. and rock and you know and hunter and i were good friends but hunter was doing his own thing and i was kind of a heat seeking missile back then i think it was one of those kind of things i don't even think hunter wanted anybody to know we were friends because he didn't want the heat you so, know what i mean so was i though because we came from wcw we didn't yeah. know how things worked here no and remember it was yeah. a different it different was a different world man it was a different animal yeah. so but the thing is 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 they really screwed up sending me to louisville because then I met Batista, I met Brock, I met Cena, I met Randy, oh. and I formulated pretty good friendships with all those guys. So by the time Brock came up here, and Brock was the animal that he was, when they asked him who he wanted to work with, he says, I want to work with Big Show. And I remember all their jaws were like, why, why would you want to Black work guy? with Big Show? <laughs> Nobody wants to work with him. You know what I mean? Brock's like, bullshit, I can work with him. Big Show can work. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, you know, Brock and I had the stretcher matches and the other things. And I remember for a while, Brock and I were crushing Raw in ratings on SmackDown. Yeah, you guys were SmackDown guys, yeah. We're SmackDown, you know, we were crushing Raw. And that was causing a lot of a lot of discontent <laughs> in the locker rooms, too, because yeah. Raw is everybody's baby. And, you know, SmackDown mm-hmm. was that other show where those other guys are because you're not part of the Raw click, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That's and, right. And we were crushing them. And, uh, um, so it worked out in my benefit that I got a chance to prove to Vince that uh, um, I got my stuff together. Mm-hmm, so it worked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, because the chemistry is amazing. There's these really, really yeah, good well, Brock, You know what? Brock's a tremendous work. And you look at what he's doing now. He doesn't work as often. as like I mean, I work five nights a week. Mm-hmm. Brock has done such a great job of making the title seem special now. And he's very limitedly, limitedly exposed. So there's a, there's a mystique when he shows up with a title. He looks like a killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the guys we have now... No offense, but they don't look like they could, you know, fight their way out of a wet paper bag. Right. You know what I mean? And it's just a different era of athletes. You know, back in our day, we had some animals. You look at the guys in the locker room, there were animals with Warlord, Warlord and Haku and, and, uh, 
and uh, Barbarian and, and all these different guys that we had back then. I mean, these guys, Rick Rude, we had, these guys were legit guys that would, you know, crush you guys your throat. Like Dave Taylor and stuff. Yeah, they had guys that guys, would, yeah. yeah, they would crush your throat for real. Yeah. So they didn't have a problem projecting that image That's right. on TV. That's right. You know, sometimes you get guys that, you know, the toughest thing they've done is had, a you know, an Xbox battle or something, you know, <laughs> which is just <laughs> a different generation. Yeah. I'm not knocking it because they're in better shape and they're smarter than, than a lot of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're back then. I mean, we were all, you know, out in the bars every night and, yeah. you know, closing down strip clubs and closing down bars and raising hell. And these guys are in bed early and they're doing CrossFit and they're in the gym and, you know. Pussies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I start telling them stories about doing this, that, and the other. And they look at me like, God, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, well, you know. It was every I, night. It was every night. That's how it was, man. Every night. Yeah. My God, yeah. You you know, everybody went to the same bar. Everybody went to the same hotels, you know. That's one Now they, everybody, they, I see these guys pull up their apps on their phone to get their cheap hotel stay. Yeah. And we were looking for a place that had a bar open after I the know. show. It's amazing how that part of, of, of the business has changed. I miss that because that was a camaraderie. You yeah. know, the, the getting in the car with, with, with four guys that... Mm-hmm. You know, that have all worked in different territories and different places and had different stories. And, you know, now all these guys come from the same place, the same factory, right. the same. It's kind of a cookie-cutter thing. I think in one way it's sad because they didn't get a chance to experience all the different characters. And I mean by characters, the different personalities that the real guys had that mm-hmm. made our business so exciting. Like, you know, you would – there were so many guys. By the, like, you knew certain guys. You just didn't bother match day. Like, if you weren't working Randy Savage, you didn't talk to Randy. Gotcha. Because Randy would tell you to fuck off so fast it wasn't funny. If Randy was what didn't have a match, he was great to be around. Mm. But if he had a match, he was so focused and so serious and intense, you had to understand that, okay, well, match day, you don't bother Randy. He was a game day guy. Game day, you don't bother Randy. Right. You know right, what right, I mean? Right, right, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just a different... I mean, you know, those guys would fight all the time, remember? They didn't like something. Like, Brother, you're trying to swerve me, and the next thing you know, there's a fight. Paranoid and yelling and screaming. Paranoid, screaming, hey, yelling. Hey, man, I got I to gotta ask you about this because you always you always talk about it so sadly, but one of the most craziest things I've ever seen was the fight between you and Kali. Oh, my that God. That was insane. That was horrible. You know, when, when, Kali, when Kali came in, was there like a little giant heat between you guys? It wasn't. I don't think it was a giant heat. It wasn't that... Uh, it was, I think for me, it was more the fact that I, th- I just thought he didn't take what we did seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, and, that, and a lot of that was just because I think the language barrier and the communication barrier. You know, quali- think, Kali is really a really nice guy and a great guy. I think his personality, too. You, we mentioned Ron Reese just being kind of a laid-back guy. Yeah. I think from getting to know him, he's just really laid-back. Yeah, really yeah I think so. He's a, I, I think a lot of that was misunderstood, you know yeah. what I mean? And you know me, I'm really hard on myself for matches and stuff mm-hmm. like that and i really want to go out there and 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 i take it really serious on the spots everything we're doing. you do yeah. everything you know i i strive yeah i could lay back and not do shit and still keep a job mm-hmm. but i go very hard to earn the respect of the guys i work with they can trust me i'm safe uh, I'm not going to blow spots. I'm going to catch them if they do a dive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be dependable to be there on false finishes. You know what I mean? That's, you know, I take that very seriously. And uh, and the whole Kali thing was just, uh, I just got frustrated with him. You know, we're in the ring with Taker, and you got one thing to do, and you can't even pay attention enough to do that. Mm-hmm. 
boy, I got pissed off at it. And then we got in an argument, and you know, and it was absolutely the worst friggin' fight on the planet. It was terrible. Well, for you, for me, it was like Godzilla versus freaking King Kong. Yeah. I was just talking to Kane about it. It was crazy. Yeah, you know, from my standpoint, I think it was uh, it was the worst fight I think I'd ever been in my life. <laughs> it was terrible. I just remember somebody's ass sitting on my head in the locker room, and I'm laying there going, "I'm just too old for this shit." What the hell am <laughs> well, you I guys, doing? you guys were literally punching each other in the well, face. Well, we were trying to. It was a funny thing with him is, is, is he was like trying to hit. Uh, um, one of those weeble wobble balls that won't that weave <laughs> yep. but won't fall down. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. I've never seen anybody. Done. It's like he's like a pro boxer the way he's bobbing and weaving, and you know, it's because he could barely stand up straight. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was just weird. I was barefoot, and there's a table between us, and bags around. It's like leave it to me to pick a fight barefoot in my friggin' underwear for Christ's sake. My my bare trunks. Just I picked a good time to pick a fight. Right. Well, then and then you guys fell down, and then he landed on top of you. So you said so you thought that you lost, but I thought it was a pretty well. It's not that I. Just, it was a hockey fight. Loss. I think I, I think I felt that I lost that he didn't go to the hospital, so therefore I felt like I lost. <laughs> you were you know? so mad. I was so I, mad. I, I was had gonna... to console you the whole way. Like, man, it was great. I, like, no, no, my stupid. whole thing was I didn't put him in the hospital, so therefore I lost. You know uh, what right? I mean? Yeah, exactly. I was so angry at the time that like, I wanted to put him in the hospital. That the, son of a bitch. The best line that we still laugh about. I laugh. Me and Kane were laughing the other day. Was you said to me? You said because he he basically had done your chop. In front of you, yeah. and you went to him. You don't even know what you're doing. You're the shits. And his reply was, "You're the shits too, bro." Yeah, <laughs> you're the shits too, brother. <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was a great. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was. It was a crazy thing to watch, though. You know what? But you know, in a lot of ways, it's like you know, you talk about divine intervention. Mm-hmm. Had things were gone the way I wanted it to go, and I'd have hurt him really bad, I'd have felt worse. Yeah, I would. You would have you gotten know, in trouble. No, the way it came out, it blew off a lot of tension and frustration. Um, I uh, sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes you got to yeah. do that, and I think from my end, it took all the heat and tension I had with him. I, it, it let it all dissipate. And go, what am I getting upset for? Right, right. I mean, here's this guy that's doing the best that he can. So what if he does the chop that I do? So what if he tries to emulate stuff that I do? You know, I do the thing where I lean over the top rope and palm the guy's head and pull mm-hmm. him up to the apron. Well, that's kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Well, it used to bother me because he would try to do everything that I did. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time he tried to do it with Jeff Harvey, Hardy, but he fell out of the ring doing it because he lost his balance. <laughs> and that was, you know, it's just like, you know, what? Why yeah, get mad? Yeah, that's you right, know? exactly. Imitation is a serious, uh, is the most sincere form of flattery, flattery yeah. right? So. Yeah. I wouldn't get mad. I had matches with him after that, and I went out there and tried hard to make him look good, and, and it just, you know, let that shit go. Yeah, absolutely. But it's funny that you bring that up because it's just like, oh We my still God. talk about this day, but not, not, not taking the piss or bearing you. Like, it was impressive uh, as far as these two literal giants punching each other yeah, there was in the some face. Meat, there was some meat swinging. I heard a couple of these. I heard that yeah. a few times. I couldn't get a clean shot on him, though. Yeah, really, you got, maybe got him in the shoulder or something. Uh, yeah, but there was... I, got, I think I got him in the side of the neck and the top of the head, and then I was going to hook one in his stomach because he had his hands up. Yeah. And as soon as I went to do that, I stepped on a bag, and over <laughs> I went, and then I kicked him in the knee on the way down, and he fell on top of me. And, <laughs> and then I was, jumped on you guys. And... Somebody jumped in. I just remember somebody was sitting on my head, pinned to the ground. I don't know if it was Fit Finley or somebody that was I really... I think it was Regal. Somebody just, just on sat on my head. Like, my head's pinned to the floor with somebody's <laughs> ass on my head, and I'm just, like, laying there going, Okay. <laughs> it went from being completely enraged to like, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I remember like everyone was looking around, like, do we try and stop this? And like, if I try and Kane stop was, this. Kane was in a towel. He was in right? a towel. He was in a towel. And it's like, if I go over there, I'm going to get swatted away like a biplane when King Kong's on top of the World Trade Center. Just like, 
wrong. But you know, that, again, that's that's not such a bad thing. I mean, our business has evolved now that you know we're corporate now. If something like that would happen, there'd be so many ramifications and lawsuits and all that stuff. But you know, as I do, sometimes the boys got to fight. Yeah, you know absolutely. I mean? There's too much pent up on the road yeah. you know frustrations here and there sometimes it happens sometimes you know? it happens you gotta you gotta let that get that shit out in the back yeah. not necessarily in the ring because i think everybody loses in the ring yes but in the back sometimes it's okay to be willing to fight for what you believe in you yeah, know of I mean? yeah of course of course winding down here you started using the punch as, as a finish Did that come from training and boxing I think it came from training and boxing, and, and, you know, you took the first punch. That's right. You took the first punch, and it was like, you know, and you were off the run. I just remember plowing you right in the forehead and giving you that big goose egg, and I was like, I guess my aim's not that good when you're on the run. No, I so. told you. I said, no, your aim was perfect. I said, hit me in the forehead as hard as you want. Don't yeah. don't break my nose. Yeah, I got those big knuckles, and I plowed you right in the forehead. I, I watched that knot when you're laying on your back like the lion from Bugs Bunny. <laughs> How many lumps do you want? One or two? And I watched that knot come up. I'm like, yeah, he's going to be pissed. Oh, but you no, were great I about it. I loved it, man. Yeah, you were great about it. That actually got me respect from Vince. I remember Vince was like, oh, my God. I'm so, I can't believe that you're still awake. It looked like he knocked your block off or whatever he yeah, said. You know? yeah, and I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm all right. Yes, yeah, so that, that's. I mean, that's a great finish. Well, and it was funny is they did a real good job of protecting that thing too. We've done mm-hmm. a real good job of you know trying to protect. It's hard sometimes to hit some of these guys because you know I'm really good at it if they're not moving, mm. but I'm throwing fast, and at the last second I'm trying to pull all the energy off of it and and turn it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it looks good, and sometimes it looks like shit, just depending on if somebody's trying to lean into me or. I'm like, no, just don't move. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of like I'm doing surgery here. Don't move because if you move, it could be a live round, and you might not wake up. Because I think know. it's one of those things, though, when a guy your size with the hands that you have, it's like this, your hand is the size of my head. Yeah. Anytime you throw it, it looks good. Yeah. Well, you know, you know there, there, there's a lot of things I could do better with it, but it is what it is. Last question. Uh, Favorite match, couple or a couple of your favorite matches, if you had to pick one. A uh, couple of my favorite matches, um, uh, I would have to say the triple threat I had at SummerSlam was Cena, Punk, and myself. Mm-hmm. That was one of my favorite matches because that was a rib because I went. Usually the big guy is out at some point in the match, so the two smaller guys can go at it. Mm-hmm. And I remember I worked like the first half, like the first part of it, both of them. Then I knocked one of them out. And then I worked the second half. Like it's like I stayed in the middle and did all the work. And we right. told a great story because it was like, hey, wait a minute, I'm the fat guy, and I'm working <laughs> more than both of you, you know. But it was a great story of they both did a fantastic. You know, Phil was always really good about making me look like a giant, and you know, and Cena, of course, mm-hmm. he loves it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he bounces off me, and he knows at the end he's so smart. At the end, he's going to give me an AA. So, <laughs> right. you know, he sells his ass off, which helps me tell the story. But uh, that was one of my favorites, I think. Um, Taker versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania, the first run they had together is one of the most amazing matches. Oh, watching their match. Yeah, watching yeah, yeah, yeah. Their, And that's favorite I was matches. talking one that you were, you were in, yeah. yeah. I don't know, Chris. You know, it's funny. Uh, definitely the match I had with Taker in France. No, no yeah. one ever saw. Right. That, was, that was an amazing match. I mean, we must have went 35, 40 minutes, and we didn't know the finish. Going like, Kyoto was asked, what's the finish? And Taker goes, I don't know. <laughs> and... and uh, Kyoto came to me and says, hell, if you don't know, I don't know. I'm not calling a finish. And it was one of those <laughs> kind of things that Taker and I just worked. And we worked. And I thought we were going home, and then we worked out of it, and we worked into something else. And the crowd was so good, and the atmosphere was so good. By the time it was over, it was like, oh, my God, that's the greatest match I've ever had. <laughs> Shit. Nobody saw it except the people that are here. Sometimes you know? they're the best ones, though, yeah, man. Yeah, sometimes they're the best ones. And uh, 
There was a match that you and I had. I think the uh, one of the DX matches actually was one of my favorite ones too. Oh, really? So, the yeah. the uh, TLC one? Yeah, yeah, that was a great match. Yeah, that's really the good. one where uh, I came up with this stupid idea that you were going to walk with me on your shoulders. Uh, we would break all the ladders, and you would walk with me on your shoulders to where I would grab the, the belt, yeah. and then Sean would super kick you, and I would fall off your shoulders onto the table. Yeah, which sounds great. Until I'm standing on your shoulders and trying to let go of one hand, and I got no balance, and I'm scared to death. I can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean super kicks you, and you didn't step back far enough, so I just jumped off your shoulders. I landed on the top rope, and then jumped off the top rope and landed face first on the table and broke it with my head. Yeah, but it looked awesome. It, yeah, remember, that's one of those kind of things you can't plan. You know, <laughs> we're like, we're not going to take any crazy bumps. Yeah, exactly. And I took the craziest, the craziest bump, of, my bump career. of all career, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I remember right, that super kick was in there pretty good, too. So oh, I'm it sure. Little, it was a little hard to. You couldn't protect yourself because you were holding my I'm legs and hands. Yeah. Little, yeah, so it's just like, and my chin's right there, and you know. He got it up there, too, that, man. That Texan is not afraid to stick it in <laughs> no, there. No, he's not, man. So, Dude, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, Chris, again, man, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully yeah. this uh, your your uh, listeners will enjoy this oh, they will. My so, favorite tag team partner of all yeah, time, mine man. mine too, man. Mine too. We should get back together. We should. Yeah. Do a reunion tour. Like Do a reunion tour, yeah. Good yeah. Europe tour. That way, you know, it's just you and me. Oh, we should. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be fun, yeah. Well, I'll, 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 I know the boss. I'll talk to him soon. Yeah, you got some influence with him. <laughs> you just sit there. And, just, and I won't give up to the gives no, me what I want. You, you're just like you got a little hammer beating the side of his skull. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Oh, fine. Just fine. Go. Just leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again to the big show. What a great interview that was. I love that guy. My favorite tag team partner of all time and one of the greatest big men of all time. Uh, I've talked about that with Vince McMahon actually last night on the plane. We had a nice discussion about big show and how unbelievable he is and how even though Andre the Giant was basically the first and a huge attraction, big show as an athlete, as a performer, is definitely the, the greatest quote unquote giant and, and, and big man of all time and, and one of the greatest talk is Jericho guests as well. So uh, I appreciate that thank you for listening and thanks for coming to check me out on the y2j wwe summer tour that continues tomorrow night in uh boston june 27th reading pennsylvania on the 28th no singapore on july 2nd i can't stress that enough i can't make it from orlando to singapore in time considering i have to do a tough enough on on tuesdays so i had to pull out of the singapore show i apologize hope to be back again soon July 3rd in Tokyo versus Finn Balor. July 4th in Tokyo versus uh, Adrian Neville. The 10th in Philly. The 11th in Pittsburgh. The 31st in San Diego. So many more to come in August. Go to WWE.com. Check out all the shows that are going to be on. No TVs. No pay-per-views. Only uh, Tough Enough and only these live events, although the July 4th Tokyo Japan event will be filmed for NXT Special. I'm not sure if uh, my match is going to be on or not, but I guess uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, we also got a handful of shows and festivals this summer. I'm on stage tonight uh, at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Sioux City, Iowa. Come check us out. It's going to be a blast. July 24th in Kitchener, August 8th in uh, Hamilton, Ontario. August 9th, Heavy Montreal. October 30th, we're going out with Kiss on the Kiss Cruise, and then of course, November 14th, we start out in Germany, go all the way through Luxembourg, Germany, France, Austria, Switzerland, and then coming, of course, back to the UK. Go to FozzyRock.com. Check out all those dates. They'll be with Nonpoint and Sumo Psycho. That's going to be a huge tour. It's going to be one of our biggest tours we've done in a while. FozzyRock.com for all information, VIP information, all that, uh, all that nine one one. No, what? What's it called? All the four one one you need <laughs> on Fozzy. 
Rock, and thank you so much for uh, for doing that. And thanks a lot for checking out my sponsors: uh, Arctic Ease Instant Cold Wraps, DollarShaveClub.com, DDP Yoga, True Car, and of course the sponsor who helped me launch the show has been there from the start. Amazon, easiest way to support this show. Please use my links when you go pick up the new Black Veil Brides live DVD, Alive and Burning, the new Tremonti album, Cauterize, the new Trickster album, Human Effect, sorry, Human Era. That's a, that's a great record, too. So go check that out uh, and buy whatever you want, man. I don't care. Just go to podcastone.com. Click on the Supporter Show Sponsors banner at the top of the page, UAG. Hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got Amazon links in the USA, the UK, the Canada Day. Every time you do that, Amazon kicks back a little cash to the show. So we keep doing this for you for free for twice a week. No extra fees or hidden challenges. Just helping me support this show. Thank you so much. Giant Week has been a huge success. Get it? See what I did there? Thanks to the great Kali. Thanks to the big show for joining us. And thanks to you. You guys have been absolutely amazing. And next week, we got two other great guests, actually three great guests, on Wednesday. How about one of the biggest icons of the 70s when he played Chachi on Happy Days? One of the greatest icons of the 80s when he was Charles in Charge? And then how about in the 90s and 2000s when he was Bob Loblaw on Arrested Development? I got Scott Bale with me on Wednesday to talk all things being a teen heartthrob and lasting over 40 years in show business, which is pretty damn impressive in my opinion. Scott Bale will be here on Wednesday. I'll be here on Wednesday. We'll see you on Tuesday on Tough Enough. We'll see you on Wednesday on Talk is Jericho. Stay cool. Stay hungry. And yeah, buh, 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 boy. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. 